Hello, everybody. Welcome to another new season of Draft on Tap. I'm Aldo Gandia. The gentlemen above me are Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. And this is going to be a very special Draft on Tap because most of the show is going to be devoted to the changes over at Hallis Hall. Let me begin by asking these two gentlemen how they're doing. How are you guys? I am pumped. Uh, already, it's, it's draft season. We're talking about next year already, talking about finding some prospects. And a little thing happened this week, and we got a new general manager and, and, a, and a new head coach. So there's a ton to talk about today. I'm pumped to be with you guys uh, back on Draft on Tap. I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say. How are you, Neil? I'm great, man. Feels so good to be back. It's been a while, right? <laughs> it's been yeah. awesome since the three of us got on the show together. Yeah, you're probably at about right now, you're probably starting to get over all the hard work that you did on last year's draft on tap. <laughs> and now you gotta start again. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's wild. All right. Well, let's get right into it because there's a lot of people in the chat room already asking questions, already want to know what you think of these hires and so forth. And Danny, you've already kind of uh shown uh, some of your optimism, some of your excitement. So put it into words for us. How are you feeling about these two hires? Well, I don't want to say optimism or excitement. I mean, first okay. of all, like I initially I was like, I, I've been all over the place in terms of my emotional roller coaster. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I was kind of disappointed because obviously, I, as I said before, I wanted for the GM spot, I wanted someone that, that's been there, done that. You know, my top guy was Rick Smith. Um, I never believe he ever got interviewed. Uh, there was a report that he he was there was mutual interest between Smith and and the Bears, but that, that never happened. The other guy was Jeff Ireland. I know he got interviewed, but he was never brought back. So, so Ryan Poles when he was when he was introduced or, or, or named the the candidate or the 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 new GM, I should say. I, I know he was a finalist with with the Giants and also was was potentially a finalist with with the uh, Vikings as well. So, uh, Texas and people around the league and and you know got nothing but positives about him. You know, guys are hard worker. Guys are easy to get along with. Uh, he's, he's someone that that does a thorough work in terms of his scouting. In terms of he's a very good you know evaluator. He's a guy that I was told you know he will fix your offensive line issues. So that those are all positives. And those all got me thinking. All right, you know. But the only thing is, like, it, it's I keep going back to all right. It's another young up and coming executive, thirty six years old, getting his first you know career, you know big job like the GM job, uh, and learning really learning on a job with the Chicago Bears. And I was kind of hoping for someone who was who kind of had been there or done that and so that that was my my initial reaction with with the, with the ryan poles uh hiring and then going over to the coaching side same thing i wanted someone to come in here um not necessarily i, I don't want looking just for an offensive guy or, or, or a defensive guy i'm look i was looking for a, a head coach had done it before someone who had experience and and you know i we went ahead and we talked about this although on one of the Bear Truth episodes where I gave you my list. And on top of my list was Josh McDaniels, you know, guys like Doug Peterson, Todd Bowles, you know, Jim Caldwell was on that list as well. And, uh, you know, I was hoping that Caldwell would come in. You know, there, there are some rumblings in terms of the potential staff that he was going to put together. The other finalists, obviously, Dan Quinn, another guy that's that's coached uh, before, took a team to a Super Bowl, same similar to Caldwell, same thing, well-liked around the league, was going to put together a – you know, supposedly a really good coaching staff. And really, Eberflus was a guy that I was just kind of getting to know in terms of, you know, uh, as a head coach candidate. Um, so, of course, he's the guy that, that comes in and, and gets the position today. So, so it's, it's, I'm, I, but I'm, the more I'm learning about Eberflus, the more, you know, you, you get a little excited, right? This guy that, that's, that's, you know, well spoken, well coached, the guy's a teacher, you know, guys like Rod Marinelli, you know, vouch for this guy. So, 
Uh, you know, there there are positives with both hires. There are some drawbacks with both hires. Some uh, a lot of question marks that I have uh, that I was hoping would would have kind of been answered prior to the you know or, or with the hirings. But still, you know, we got to give both guys a fair chance and, and see what they do. So my main thing now, and although you know we've talked about it, Neil and I have talked about it with a guy like Iberflus with with this background being in defense, I or he he must have put down. A, a hell hell of a you know plan in terms of his coaching staff. Who's his offensive coordinator? Who's his quarterbacks coach? Who's his offensive line coach? I need to know this, and I'm I'm hoping that that he gave the Bears Ryan Poles you know this list, and that that he's going to deliver because you know I heard that name of that uh, passing uh, game coordinator from the Eagles today, and, and I know he's been in the league for like 12, 15 years, but that's not going to make me excited about about him bringing this guy in, a guy who's never been a play caller in the NFL. To kind of try and groom and, and establish, you know, um, Justin Fields here as as, as a quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope that he goes and gets a, an established play caller. Now, you know, names like Jim Caldwell have been thrown out there. Um, there's Kevin O'Connell from the Rams. Supposedly, he wants to get away from the Sean McVay shadow and run his own, you know, offense here. And I think obviously with Ibraflus is uh, being the defensive guy, the offensive corner is going to have full reign on the offense. So if, if the offense is successful, Justin Fields develops and, and does does well, someone's going to come knocking for for that offensive coordinator potentially being a head coach. So I think the, that that's where this position could be could be very um, popular amongst uh, um, um, assistants out there. So I'm hoping he comes in and brings in someone that's going to be able to give the Bears a good defense, a solid foundation, and help Justin Fields in his development. Neil, what do you got, brother? Yeah, I mean, with Ryan, I'm, I mean, number one with both these guys, I'm optimistic. Um, you know, in, in in a couple different ways. You know, with Ryan Poles, I didn't know a thing about the guy once once the uh, the announcement came through, and so uh, you know, after a couple of days of looking some things up, studying his background, um, you know, talked to a couple of guys within that organization just to see what they thought of him. And of course, I mean, anytime you you do that type of thing, you're going to get back a bunch of positives and and you know, you know, over the top superlatives and things like that, but. You know, kind of like what Danny said, you know, um, one guy said, I think he'll do a good job. He's smart, very organized. You know, and another guy said, you know, specifically, he's going to treat you right. You know, he says, uh, you know, he's a good man. He's laid back. He knows ball. He's very, uh, very intelligent in terms of uh, of his evaluations. Um, you know, he's a guy that um, uh, if you look at his background um, and really with both of these guys, if you look at their backgrounds, how they came up, I draw a parallel to my own career in, in the sense that, you know, at one point, that was the very lowest man the totem pole you could possibly get, right? And uh, you know, both these guys, they 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 started as a low man of the totem pole. You know, Ryan Poles was was I think he was like a recruiting or a staff assistant at Boston College. Um, you know, jumped on at Kansas City at age twenty four. You know, by Scott Pioli, and uh, you know he survived two you know G uh, yeah two GM changes. He went from Scott Pioli to uh, John changes. Dorsey, mm-hmm. and uh, you know t- John Dorsey retained him, promoted him. And then uh, Brett Veach came in, retained him, and promoted him again. And so now he's 36. He's the GM of the Bears. Uh, he's a guy that combines like old school and new school approach. Um, you know, he, he has a modern philosophical way of evaluating. Um, you know, I'm and you know another the other thing is is uh, you know Field Yates. I think both those guys were at the very bottom. You know, together. You know, getting started in the scouting industry and Field Gates has nothing but glowing uh, your reviews of, of the guy, both as a person and as a, as a professional. So, um, you know, in terms of Ryan Poles, I'm very optimistic. You know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, he gets inside the four walls of Hallis Hall and you had, you know, a pair of guys wanting to go certainly with the coach, a pair of guys wanting to go another way with the coach. He went his own way. 
you know, so he's actually owning his own process. Right. So that, that has me feeling good that he's not going to get a whole lot of interference from guys that aren't nearly as qualified to make decisions as he might be. Um, and the guy that he took, Matt Eberflus, you know, you look at his, his background, started off at Toledo as a, as a student staff assistant, right. Student coach, um, spent pretty much the entire nineties at Toledo, which was an a ridiculously winning culture at that time, you know, in, in the Mac conference. Um, you know, he went from Toledo, uh, to Missouri, um, to be the, uh, the defensive coordinator there for, uh, nine seasons. And, uh, that was probably the one time when I actually had a run in with, uh, Matt Eberflus was when he was a defensive coordinator, in Missouri, uh, the 2008 season when I was at Northwestern, we played them in, in the Alamo bowl. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you think about the history of Missouri now, you're not talking about Alabama, you're not talking about Texas. They're not a blue blood. They're, they're barely relevant, but, uh, you know, as, as the DC and then also so the associate head football coach, he got named that in 2006, halfway through his tenure there. Uh, at one point, he had top 10 passing defense. They won the uh, 2007 and 2008 Big 12 Norths, um, the, the first uh, uh, bowl game after the uh, the first Big 12 North uh, title, stifled Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl, and then they played us in the Alamo Bowl. In the second half, I'm just going to tell you guys, that the fourth quarter in, in overtime, we couldn't get anything done. Um, so it was, it was actually impressive to, to watch that defense play. They had some studs all over the ball. Um, one, one guy that specifically, you know, um, you know, sticks on my mind is the Weatherspoon kid. Uh, he may play all over the field. And so, you know, he goes from Missouri, uh, and, uh, you know, goes and uh, coaches linebackers under Rob Ryan and then follows Rob Ryan to Dallas. He had, uh, Rob Ryan as defensive coordinator at Dallas. He had Monty Kiffin at the, as a, his next defensive coordinator at Dallas. And one of the things that he was instrumental in was that transition from a three, four to a four, three. Okay. Um, and Rod, Rod Marinelli actually, you know, credited Matt Eberflus in 2016. Uh, you know, when he, he was named the passing game coordinator, he credited him as being instrumental in that transition. Um, so, you know, the, the thing about Eberflus is that, you know, he's come up with the multiple systems. I think he ran multiple at Indianapolis. I think he's most comfortable with a Tampa two type of deal, but he has the ability to go ahead and mold his scheme, his defense around the personnel that we have. The last head coach we had was, it was absurdly stubborn on his side of the ball. I would not mold anything to what he had in the personnel department. So he, he's able to go ahead and mold things around what he has. And the other thing that, that he's really known for guys, the other thing that he's known for throughout his career is instantaneous results and developing players. You know, throughout his career as the linebackers coach at Dallas, you know, he's credited with, you know, developing Sean Lee and Jalen Smith. And those guys are uh, outwardly vocal about how they how he helped them become the players that they, that they became. You know, um, he turned busts and average guys into players, players into pro bowlers, um, you know, ter- transformed average defenses, average defenses into, uh, you know, defenses that rank in the top half of the league or in, in terms of Missouri. Um that was that was a top class defense. It was a top ten defense at one time in, in terms of uh, you know passing game. So um, just you know banking off of that, he he comes to Indianapolis and he was Chris Ballard's guy. You know he he was hired you know to be a you know to to run the defense before Frank Reich came in. Had to do a little bit of uh, you know gymnastics to get you know Frank Reich on board. But when it comes down to it, Chris Ballard trusted that guy to beat the dude to run the defense for the Indianapolis Colts and defense that ranked thirtieth in scoring and told defense the year before. Then came around the very next year and ranked 10th and 11th, respectively, in both those two specific areas. And also, you know, climbed the ladder uh, in, in uh, defensive rankings in terms of, you know, pass defense, run defense. Um, he turned Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard into dudes. 
Um, over the course of the past four years, the Colts ranked second in turnovers. That's that's a big thing with him. He's he's going to pound the table of of uh, you know getting turnovers and being disciplined on that side of the ball, being aggressive, swarming to the to the ball carrier. Um, it's going to be aggressive, but it's also going to be smart. Um, I'm really excited with uh, you know what he's going to bring. Um, he's another guy that's also interviewed for positions too. Both these guys have interviewed for uh, you know GM, head coach positions respectively. Uh, in, in the past, you know, few years, uh, um, you know, we talked about polls interviewing for, uh, he was a finalist for the Panthers last year. He was a finalist for the Giants and Vikings this year. Eberflus was a finalist for the Browns job in 2019. So um, both these guys, well-respected, um, very optimistic about what they bring. I'm not huge on retreads, which is why I wasn't amped up about Caldwell. I wasn't amped up about Quinn, about Leslie Frazier, any of these guys that have been, and now, now, granted, Dan Quinn has you know gone and uh, won a lot of games, went to a Super Bowl, and the whole thing. But outside of that, it was very average. You know, Jim Caldwell did some good things at, at the Lions, but overall, it was very average. Same thing with, same thing with Leslie Frazier with the Vikings. And so, um, I'm just, I'm really, really amped up to to try something new to see what happens. These guys, like I said, they they come with uh, with a lot of uh, you know positive reviews from their peers, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let, let's let's uh, let's hang in there and, and uh, you know be optimistic. Let's see what Eberflus does with that offensive coordinator position. Hopefully, he brings in a stud. And like Danny said, that guy's basically going to be the uh, the head coach of the offensive side of the ball. So just just the one thing, uh, real quick on on and initially, I was you know when, when he, like I said earlier that when when the names were announced, I was a little bit uh, confused, not confused, but like but not not ex- pumped up or amped up about either one. But you know, a couple of good points that Neil brought up about. Um, uh, um, um, the the GM can the GM. I'm, I'm already forgetting his name. Jesus Christ, uh, Ryan Poles. Thank you so much. Uh, you know the 13 years with the Chiefs. You know he has not been with just one GM as opposed to right. Ryan Pace when he came here from the Saints under Mickey Loomis. You know he he was with you know like Scapioli. Then went to John Dorsey and he, and he went to Brett Beach. But more importantly, he's he's been there for three different coaching regimes. He was there for Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell, and Andy Reid. And what, how that's important is that he's altered and he's been able to scout for three different systems three different schemes so that's that's important and valuable um experience that i believe he's gained through the, through the chiefs so yeah he's been with one organization but he's gone through three three different regimes both in the, in the front office and in, in the coaching staff so that, to me that, that's valuable experience and the other thing i want to touch on real quick with neil in terms of you want to retreads but you know what bill belichick is a retread Pete carroll was a retread bruce Arians is a retread so I mean, retreads. If, if you're a good coach, you're a good coach. Whether you know, they all get fired at one point. So I, I just thought, like you know, with like guys like Caldwell, uh, Josh McDaniel would have been a guy that I really would have been interested in talking to. At least interview him, bring him in. But uh, you know, it's, that, that's why I wanted to get guys that are kind of had success in the league, kind of would come in and and know how or have at least a, a good plan for you know the the most important guy on, on this team right now, in my opinion, Justin Fields. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with Neil, though, about retreads, and certainly there are exceptions. There are some that have had some great success on their second, sometimes even third jobs. But guys like Jim Caldwell, and no offense to Jim Caldwell because he has had a lot of success with the Colts and with the Lions, but we know that's his ceiling. I mean, he had Peyton Manning, and he had uh, Matthew Stafford, who was on, on his way to the, a conference championship game. So we know that uh, th- that's about where he can take a team as a head coach. And so uh, I was also concerned mm-hmm. that even though he had those uh, great quarterbacks, he s- you still need to have a run game. And he never devoted uh, the his, his energy towards developing a run game. People have told me, well, he didn't have great running backs. That may be so, 
um, although Joseph Adai was a first-round draft pick. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you're four years with one organization and three years with another, don't you think that at some point you got to demand from your general manager, get me a stud running back, and I'll get you some playoff wins? You know, so that's that's concerning to me about a guy like Jim Caldwell. And with Dan Quinn, it's almost unforgivable what he did at the Super Bowl, losing a 25-point lead. And just that alone is such a sour taste that I'd hate to have him as a head coach for the Chicago Bears, although I know that's an isolated incident, and I know that he deserves another chance. Uh, because he's been very successful in many ways, and his defense is is great. But I, I like the idea of uh, trying to find that gem in the stone, that new prolific coach and general manager tandem that they're going to be together for the next 10 years and have great drafts and, and great results with those players. Yeah, but Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were that, were that gem in the stone, right? Uh, you know, um Phil Emery and Mark Trustman were those gems in the stones, correct? Yeah, I, I just feel like we, I feel like we go through these, you know, first-time head coaches, and we and we allow these guys to to learn on the job. And I just wanted someone that has been in the league, has had success and failures, like Dan Quinn. But I, I think that that you know, you just talked about the Super Bowl failure in terms of on that lead. I think that is a, a learning experience from Dan Quinn, and I feel like he may have or or should have learned from that experience. And if they're ever put in that position again, he he would you know. Um, manage the clock at a much better, you know, rate or much better process. So I, I just I feel like you know if some of these people have made these mistakes, they can learn from them. That, that I just wanted guys. I was just tired of of the hey learn on the job kind of guys, right? You know, the first time head coach, first time GM, you learn here on at our expense, our being the you know the fans you know expense here. I you know try and you know build this team together. But like I said, both guys have positive traits. Um, you you can't find any, anybody in the NFL so far. I haven't been able to find anybody that has anything negative to say about either one of these guys. Uh, you know, Poles and Eberflus. So that, that those are positives, right? Um, and uh, you know, it, it, like I said, Eberflus has comes highly recommended in terms of his ability to you know, um, control the roster, you know, command the room, you know, be able to uh, demand and, and, and get respect out of all 53 players plus the 16 players on, on the practice squad. So that was a key thing as well. You know, I, I didn't just want a great, you know, innovative offensive coordinator. I just want a, a, a damn good defensive coordinator. I wanted a guy that was going to be a damn good leader, a damn good coach, and a guy that was going to go out there and be able to control and 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 have all you know every every single player on this football team follow them. And so far, from what you've what we've heard, from what we've been able to kind of dig on Matt Eberflus, you know, he's a guy that's going to get everyone to follow him. So we'll see what happens. Let to me be fair, just going on the theme of you know first time head coaches with no experience. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, talking to one of my guys inside Colts organization earlier today, you know, his, his his thoughts on that, you know, number one, he's a big fan of the hire. He said I he said he always felt like they operated with two head coaches the past four plus years, anyways. You know, the guy's tough, he's demanding, he'll get the most out of Roquan specifically. Um, he said it's only a matter of time before we lost him. And we, you know, me and the Colts. So um if if the feeling was generally that they had two head coaches on staff and Ibafus was essentially the the head coach of his side of the ball. I feel pretty good about it. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly that he's, you know, a, you know, first-time head coach in 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 the, the grandest sense of the word. He certainly has had control of at least half that football team since he's uh, been in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Right, Let but me, now the the clock management stuff. You know, the, mm -hmm. when to call yeah. timeouts. You know, to call four and four. These are all going to fall on him now. Again, yeah, I'm not saying he's going he's, to yeah. be. Yeah, I'm not. He's not. I'm not saying he's going to be a you know a boss or anything like that. I'm just saying like I just wanted someone who had been there and done that. But yeah. you know, we'll we'll see what happens.
I hear you. Um, let me play. Uh, Tony the Podboss sent me this on Twitter about an hour ago. It's a clip of uh, Matt Eberflus uh, in in a Zoom meeting. Uh, I said the name wrong, right? Eberflus in uh, in a meeting, and this is what he was talking about. Uh, one of the cultural things that he does uh, with his team. Yeah, so we're we're always searching for guys that are you know uh, that can play eight guys on the defensive line and we really base it mostly off of uh, our loaf system and the hustle system. So if a guy comes in and he plays 25 plays, but a third of his plays are loafs, we will decrease his reps and until he can play at the level we need him to play at in terms of his hustle and his hitting and in his execution. And that's, that's across the board. And when a guy shows that he can, he can be on our all hustle team, which is a 90% hustle grade, then he, he can play as many plays as he, he's able to execute. And there's guys in there that are doing that, you know. That, yeah, so we're, we're always searching oops, for guys. That to me is so impressive. And one of the other things that I read about him is that he um, uh, is that type of coach that really preaches all out effort and playing to the end of the whistle. And if there is a ball on the ground, you go after it. And uh, that's the type of culture he really instills in his players and is very, very adamant about that. And being a Bears fan, we've seen a lot of players, especially recently, not tackling a ball carrier when he's down on the, on the ground and the guy gets up and scores a touchdown and uh, other instances like that where the team is not going all out. So I like the fact that this guy is going to come into Hallisaw and he's going to change the culture and make players accountable for those little mistakes. So when, you know, Eddie Jackson or Jalen Johnson doesn't tackle a guy on the ground, that's not going to be forgiven. He's going to be held to account. So I, I really appreciate that. This is Lovey Smith 2.0. That's what it is. Because that's what Lovey Smith was. It was you, everyone flies to the football. You know, you know, if same thing with Lovey Smith defense. And this guy, his his mentor was Rod Marinelli. So, and then, of course, Rod Marinelli, his his relationship with, with Lovey Smith. So, you know, the, he, he has that base Tampa 2 defense. Uh, and then same thing, you know, you'll fly to the football. Uh, Roquan probably be, we moved to a weak side linebacker, you know, just fill that Lance, Lance Briggs role, if you will. Um, you know, everyone flies to the football. You'll, you got to see guys punch in the football. The peanut punch will be back. Um, and, yeah, he, he, he will hold players accountable. You know, Luffy had the same kind of system in terms of the loafing system. If you if you got a loaf, you know, a certain amount of loafs, you, you will lose playing time. So it's, it's, it's basically Lovey Smith 2.0 right here. Yeah. yeah, the great thing is, is that you know that comes all the way back. You know, if you trace the lineage of that, that comes from Tony Dungy's team philosophy. Mm -hmm. Now, I was looking this up today. If you if you look at the very first page of of the the playbook that Tony Dungy handed out to uh, his assistants and to his players, Tony Dungy team philosophy. You know, it, it's it's a ten bullet point deal. It's it's mental preparation, no mental mistakes, fundamental soundness, physicality, and you're talking in mindset and total team effort. Flying to the football, uh, your opponent goes backwards. Embrace the contact. Right. Hustle. You cannot beat it. Those are the kind of things that you just can't teach. Uh, quickness. The quicker you are, the harder it is for them to score. Strength is important here, which is why the weight room is going to be probably a, a, a big time focus on this team going forward. Who that's, that head strength coach is going to be and the program that they get these guys into is going to matter. Um, the next thing, consistency. You're talking day in, day out. No ups, no downs. Be the guy that your teammates and coaches can count on. Physical toughness. Fight through the bumps and bruises. Understand the difference be between pain and injury. Right. Uh, discipline, and that's a big thing. You know, the, the big asterisk there is attention to detail. 
You know, the little things matter in execution. One little breakdown can break down the entire defense. And going this specifically on what we were just talking about, the gang tackling is, is a big bullet point. All 11 guys, you know, flying to the football. Nothing is more discouraging than knowing you're about to get machine gunned by the defense. And then finally, team unity. Play as a team, be unselfish, respect your teammate, be honest with yourself, be, be positive. And ultimately, guys, have fun. I mean, we're, we're, we're playing a game, and it's the best game in the world. So those, those are the things that he got from Marinelli. Yep. We, 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 we lost Neil. We lost Neil. But go ahead and pick up on that thought. If yeah, you just to carry on that thing. So so basically, like, I love you, Smith. Like I said, 2.0 here. Uh, the other thing with, with this is, is I really didn't want – to go back to Lovey Smith cover two base defense. And that's one of the things I was kind of looking into Matt Ebers Lewis in terms of, you know, what he does, but you know, I, I, uh, Stephen Holder who follows the Colts is, is a very good writer uh, on Twitter. Did a nice, nice uh, long thread there in terms of, you know, he dug into Eberflus's defense last year, and and he I think he, he said something around sixty percent of the time he played he played man coverage in, instead of zone. So you know, as long as he's flexible and it's just because you know guys the NFL caught up to that cover too. They they know how to beat it. Offenses know how to beat that cover too. So if you play straight cover too without any sort of you know. Um, variations to it or, or making different adjustments here and there, uh, you know, you're going to get beat. So, but the one thing I was encouraging thing I read is that, uh, you know, he, he played a little bit more, more man uh, this past season than before. And he's, he's big on disguising coverages. He, he will not line up pre-snap into what he wants the defense to be. He wants to wait until the ball is snapped before he has his safeties rotate, whether they're going back you know, into cover two or they're coming back, you know, or cover one or cover three or whatnot. So that's kind of sim similar to what a lot of defensive coordinators are doing now, especially what Vic Fangio was doing a lot of when he was here with the, with the Bears, disguises his coverages pre-snap. So that's a positive, right? Um, you know, he wants all his corners to be a majority of his corners to be able to play both man and and some a majority off coverage, meaning that they're going to give space and then be able to kind of plant, raid the quarterback in the pocket and come downhill and attack it and secure a tackle. This team should be, will be, I should say, a better tackling team than last year's team because they emphasize tackling. His defense emphasizes tackling. They actually practice tackling. So, uh, you know, I, I think although you mentioned that, you know, Eddie Jackson and, and Jalen Johnson not tackling the receiver on the ground, I think that's not going to happen. That shouldn't happen anymore with this team going forward here. Um, Neil, I know that you finished. I think it, it sounded to me like you were just finishing up your thought uh, when your uh, signal just gave out there. But was there anything that you wanted to add before we move on? No, I was just saying it's a beautiful thing when you see the lineage of how you know a defensive philosophy just kind of comes up, you know, throughout you know different um, different coaches, different uh, schemes, uh, different staffs, you know, throughout the the, the course of. Uh, you know, a few years. I mean, the Tampa two thing has been around for I don't know, about 27 or so years now. When, when Tony, Tony Dungy got to uh, Tampa, I think it was 1995. Yeah. And he'll even say like, he doesn't want to be credited with it necessarily. He took it from Chuck Nolan, the Steelers back in the, in the seventies. It was basically mm -hmm. the way that they played ball when, when he was with, when he was, uh, you know, around, you know, Chuck Nolan, those guys. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's just really interesting to look historically back on the way things evolved. I just wanted to have that, you know, drop the mic effect by, you know, leaving the conversation after the. <laughs> that was <no>. good. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I'm uh, afraid that a lot of Bears fans are going to get upset about with Eberflus's defense is the fact that he does not blitz much. He mm -hmm. likes to send those four guys in and then have everybody drop back and keep everything in front of him. And 
that uh, is going to lead to lack of quarterback pressures. And in fact, I think that the Colts were somewhere in the 20s with quarterback pressures, but they were second overall, as you said earlier, Danny, in, in creating turnovers. How do you guys feel about that type of approach, that defensive philosophy? I mean, it's pretty common now, but what do you guys think? About yeah, it? Vic Pandrew wasn't big on blitzing. I mean, Sean Desai got got a little bit, you know, blitz happy towards the end because it was, you know, uh, Mac was out, Kim Hicks was out. They're not generating much pressure on the quarterback, and you saw them become more blitzes there, especially with Roquan Smith. But uh, it's not something different that we've seen here. You know what? What he didn't have in Indy, he has here at the Bears. If if this, you know, the roster stays the way it is right now, he's got two premier defensive ends. You know, uh, you know both. Quinn and Mac are going to not be hand in the ground defensive ends. They're going to rush, you know, from there. So they get, he's going to have two premier pass rushers coming off the edge. Uh, probably my my guess is that may, maybe they bring back Bilal Nichols, make him a three technique, and that's something that that I I've talked about before in the past that he could probably fits that profile of uh, being a, a guy that kind of hits the gap, shoots up the gap, gets that pressure, penetrates the backfield. Uh, I'm not sure if Eddie Goldman's going to be here in terms of he could probably play the one technique and just kind of be a guy that takes on blockers and and, and, and generates whatever pass rush he can in terms of just bullying guys into the backfield. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, he's going to depend mainly on his front four. Um, obviously, he had Brenton Brentston Buckner with, with the Colts, but you know, in terms of you know consistent outside pressure, pass rush, he didn't have guys like Quinn or, or Max. So I think that's going to help him there as well. That interior pass rush is going to have to you know get more consistent. I'm assuming Akeem Hicks is not going to be on this football team. I would love to see him kind of bring him back and see if they can fit him in this team or in this system. But I'm thinking he's he's gone as well. So well, that that interior pressure is going to be a little bit more, much more important now with with this system because you want all four guys collapsing that pocket rushing that quarterback and then allowing you guys who are probably driving back in coverage to be able to, you know, uh, look at the ball, jump those routes, and then, you know, make it, you know, turnovers. By the way, I want to thank uh, Scox for always retweeting our stuff on social media, really helping our visibility with the stuff that we're doing here at the barroom. Really appreciate that, Scox. And he's got some oh, breaking yeah, news right. for us. It looks I like saw that Panthers, yeah. Chris Tabor is going over to the Panthers, and that Eberflus is targeting the Raiders, the interim. I think he's still the interim, interim head coach man. with the Raiders, Rick Bisaccia. Bisaccia. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's, he's uh, a pretty good that. special teams coach. He's yeah. a pretty good special teams coach. I think he did a hell of a job with, with the Raiders, you know, uh, taking on all, all that was going on, turmoil in terms of off the field stuff, and then, you know, leading him to that playoff, uh, you know, playoff game as well. So I think he's a hell of a, a, a coach. It's, it sucks to see Tabor go, but if you're going to be able to get a guy like a Rich Passaccio, that's going to be a n nice replacement there as well. So, yeah, yeah. leadership across the board, board, don't you? <laughs> Taylor right. started to get it late, late in uh, his career here with the Bears, but no, that's a different story. Uh, Neil, your thoughts, please. <laughs> no, I was just saying with Bisacci. I mean, you want you want leadership across the board. It's kind of the whole point of assembling kick-ass staff. You know, yep. you 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 want your offensive coordinator to essentially be another head coach. You want your special teams coordinator to have that kind of experience to to have that sort of influence on the team. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's I, I'm I'm really interested in, and and uh, excited to see what what he does with it, with his staff that, that he's going to bring in. But I mean, you know, ultimately there, there's a lot to be done on this roster now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned you're not sure if Goldman's coming back. I have him down as uh, under contract with 2024. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he's really? under contract, but I just don't know if if they're gonna try and make a you know maneuver the cap, get some more cap relief, and if they yeah, right. think they can get someone else there to come in and, and be a one technique because obviously with with the the three four that that nose tackle the zero technique was 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 you know a very very important position. Now 
he's more of a guy that that takes up blocks as, as a one technique and guy that maybe he can he can you know generate a, a bull rush and, and drive that guy backwards but he's not a guy that's going to be necessarily shooting those gaps and, and getting off you know, that's more for that three technique guy so we'll, we'll see if it fits him in here um I, I just don't know if you know what they're thinking about in terms of the future but yeah good point neil in terms of this roster talk about man because because now we're looking at all right middle linebacker is going to be a primo knee position here and mm -hmm. with only five draft picks guys i don't know if they're going to be able to address everything here with, with through the draft so you know we're going to be scouting middle linebackers because like i said my prediction is you're going to see uh roquan smith moved outside to the will linebacker position allow him to make more of those splash plays you know the interceptions be able to hopefully get better in coverage uh make a shit ton of tackles out there you know basically play that lance briggs role and then now you need a you need an athletic linebacker to be able to kind of drop back in the middle of that that defense get to his landmark and then be able to drive, you know, uh, on that football uh, if anything comes in underneath him as well. So uh, we'll see what they do here at middle linebacker. But uh, yeah, linebacker's gonna be a, a need. You know, defensive line depending on what happens there. You know, Goldman, Hakeem Hicks, Mario Edwards. I think he's a guy that can fit that three technique a little bit there as well. So right. that gives you some depth. But you know, who they're gonna keep there? I think the ends are good with with Quinn and. Um, and uh, Khalil Mack, and, and although you're going to be happy, Robert Quinn's going to have his hand in the ground. You've been calling for it. You've been telling me that Robert Quinn is better at pass rusher with his hand in the ground. He's going to have his hand in the ground now. So, and obviously, Travis Gibson will, will back those guys up. And then, you know, I think Jeremiah Tuche is also on this on this roster. I think he's got a one year one year deal. So I'm not sure if he now fits because he's more of that outside linebacker, you know, right. kind of kind of position. So we'll see how that goes. But you need a strong side linebacker, a guy that can probably carry tight ends down the field and, and better in coverage, a guy that can come up and be a mm -hmm. sure tackler. You're gonna need a safety. You're gonna need a guy that's gonna be able to come up and, and, and tackle guys. And uh, you know, there are some free agents out there that we can we can go over. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, later on in the show or maybe, you know, other shows coming up, but uh, there's going to be some free agents you can go out there and get. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to need everything, right? We have everything other than quarterback and, and running back, you're going to need everything on, on this on this football team. Yeah, and everybody's saying, oh, they got a lot of money in cap, but they, there's, there's not a lot of players signed. Like 28, 29 players are signed for next season, so uh, that's why there's so much cap money. Uh, so it's going to be difficult to make that big free agent signing Unless, right, you're gonna have to make smart, you know, more more quantity than than quality probably with with these free agent signings this year. Yeah, uh, Neil, do you see a possibility of them maybe landing a quality top paid wide receiver or an offensive lineman, or do you think that we might have to struggle? for one more season with the cap issues that have been presented because then in 2023, the cap is going to increase dramatically because all that TV money comes in and hopefully we don't have another pandemic to slow things down in terms of the cap increase, but we're going to uh, definitely uh, see a tight budget year. Uh, but do you think Neil, that perhaps there's, there could be a, a big free agent signing coming? Well, see, this is what polls is supposed to be really good at is, is making use of, of the resources that he has at hand. Right, and being mm -hmm. really smart about it, and uh, and uh, you know, so hopefully, and you know, Danny, to you know, kind of piggyback off one of the things you said, uh, and not to be spoiler to anybody, but we're not gonna be able to uh, address all these needs just in this draft because of just five picks, uh, five picks, and and yeah. most of them are on day three. Yep. We got we got two on day two, you know, er, early second, a mid third, and then we got two fives and a six. So, um, the our draft selections this year are unless he can make some magic happen. And uh, you know, move some capital and and regain some of these draft picks back. We don't have a whole lot of of uh, we're not going to have a whole lot of fun on draft weekend, except for you know these five guys. So um, he's it's going to have to be smart. It's going to have to be resourceful. It's going to have to be uh, 
you know, uh, um, you know, savvy, I think is, is a really good word to use because um, 42 million. Yeah. Granted it, it goes up in 2023, but you know, there, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. There's a lot of, uh, you know, strategic uh, placements that, that need to be made. Um, you know, I, I think that just looking at who we have free agent wise or uh, signed wise on defense, you got to keep the able body, you know, players and, and make use of what you have, which then you bring in the idea that Eberflus is really good at making use of what he has. I talked all the time last year about the, the philosophy of players positions plays, take a personnel and, you know, formulate a plan around them. And supposedly that's what he's really good at doing. So it'll be fun to see like what he draws up year one. And then as we see this roster overturn, as, uh, you know, polls, you know, gets a chance to go ahead and, uh, you know, fill this roster with what works. Um, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be good to see what this actually looks like two year, two, three years down the road when it actually is polls guys, when it actually is Iberflus's scheme and everything fits into place. I think, I think Loretta and I just put something in the, in the chat saying that they're going to trade guys for, for picks. Who do you have to trade, guys? Who are you going to trade? You know, David Montgomery is probably your best player on offense, right? And he'll get you what? Maybe a second, maybe a third round pick. I mean, their running backs aren't in high demand right now, right? Yeah. Darnell Mooney is the only receiver. He ain't going to get you a, a first or second round pick. Uh, you know, you don't have nothing to trade, really, right? Uh, other, if you want to trade, you know, uh, Robert Quinn or Khalil Mack, but now, now you're talking about a massive cap hit there. So that, that's mm -hmm. like, you know, one step forward, two steps back there. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that's even, you know, an option there. But, you know, if you want to trade down from the second round pick, it should be in like the, you know, 38, 39 range. If you want to kind of trade down and, and garner more picks there, you, you could probably do that because there's always going to be teams kind of want to trade up in that high second round and get some of these, some players that maybe have fallen. But again, you're looking at, one or two receivers currently on the roster, right? You're, you're looking at, at an offensive line that right now, you know, James Daniels, he's a 24-year-old guy that, that's been starting for the last four years, you know, and he's a guy that, in my opinion, should be your starting center next year, right? So do you bring him back and sign him as center and, and then kind of show up that position there? You have multiple guys that can fill in a right guard, whether it's, you know, the combination of Borm and, or Jenkins, if, if whoever's not playing right tackle, the other one will play right guard. You have, you know, Alex Barr still on this roster. You know, for me, left tackle is a huge question mark, guys. And neither Borum or Devin Jenkins are left tackles for me. You know, I think I think that's the one area, you know, I, we talked about 42 million in cap space. You can probably create another 10 million with some cuts and maneuvers here as well. So you're going to have like around 50 some million dollars in cap money. You know, left a veteran left tackle is what I'm going to go out and try and get in the free energy market. Now, Teron Armstead is going to be the, the primo guy, but he's coming off of uh, two, you know, injury-filled seasons. But when he's healthy, he's an all-pro left tackle. That might be guy, might be a little bit too rich for you guys to, to get right now. Because remember, you want to get a guy here maybe for one or two-year deal and also then eventually draft a successor in the draft. So a guy like Dwayne Brown, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, you know, he's a guy that's up there in age, but it's still a consistent left tackle. Maybe it takes a one or two year deal. You can bring him in here. He can be a stopgap for you. You know, guys like that. Eric Fisher was with the Colts last year. So he has, you know, maybe he has a relationship with Ibra Flus. Maybe he can kind of talk him coming here for a one or two year deal. You know, he's coming off a major injury the previous season. Played okay with, for the Colts this past year as, as left tackle. You know, you know, guys like that are are people you're gonna want to bring in and just kind of you know show up that offensive line for a little bit, at least for a year or two, and then now draft a successor, you know, via the draft. It's going to take some uh, some sleight of hand, some magic by uh, Ryan Poles mm -hmm. to attract free agents here, perhaps, you know, at a, a lesser value than they might be getting somewhere else. He might be able to sell team uh, players that is on the future of, of uh, our quarterback, Justin Fields, uh, the new culture and so forth. Mule asked a question. What do you think about the 
free agents, young draft or uh, the unrestricted free agents that the Chiefs have on their team. I was saying, can you bring those guys up right now? Because that, that's going to be an area they can probably attack there. Right now, two guys I can I, I can look at. Byron Pringle, a receiver, Demarcus Robinson, receivers. Those are probably guys you can probably bring in here in terms of guys that can come in and, and, and have a, a role on this team. You know, um, I'm taking a look at this. Uh, I mean, Orlando Brown is going to be too much, I think, to to be able to, you know, bring him in here in terms of, you know, being a, uh, a starter there as well. But, uh, you know, a, a guy like, uh, you know, Charvavius yeah, Ward. Yeah, that's a guy that can come in and, and have a starting cornerback position, you know. So, you know, these are guys, you know, th that he has a, a connection with, a relationship with. You know, Jerron Reed could be a backup defensive lineman here as well. So, depending on what you do with with uh, Eddie Goldman. So, you know, these are some guys that you can kind of bring in here and, and kind of be stopgap guys. So, you know, Ping Pringle and Demarcus Robinson can actually start here. So, you know, they're, they're not starting right now with with the, with the Chiefs. And I, I think you bring those guys in here, that they can, you know, uh, help uh, immensely. What do you think about this list, uh, Neil? I love the Charverius Ward kid. I, I loved him during the recruiting process when I was at Mississippi State. I pounded the table for him. Unfortunately, we went a different direction. Um, I don't think that year necessarily cornerback was a need. But to me, you you take what we, – we, we always had a motto. You, you take what the state gives you, right? So – he was probably the number one. He was a JUCO kid though too, but he was he was the, he was probably the number one cornerback regardless of of uh, uh, high school or junior college kids in that state. And we didn't take him. That that, that really hurt. He he's a big time player. Uh, he's he's shown to be a big time player in the league so far. He's a guy that you'd love to have from a length, size, speed standpoint, explosiveness. Um, love the Jaron Reed kid too. Uh, you know, he was in one of those, one of those uh, interior defensive linemen from Alabama that you know was just wreaking havoc during those years when, you know, it was, it was them in Clemson going back and forth. Um, you know, Demarcus Robinson, obviously, you know, he's, he, he's another one of those super midgets, but damn, he makes plays, right? Um, Byron Pringle, I agree with Daniel on that one as well. Um, I, th I think it's kind of funny seeing Kyle Long on this list as a possibility of, of somebody you can actually bring in and, and be functional. But, uh, you know, it's actually funnier. Is, is that the same Michael Burton that was here with us at fullback? Yes, it Although, is. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Just move that guy off the list, please. I don't want to see that guy. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still in the league. <laughs> Just the verbal punishment he got alone, I thought was going to kick him out of the league. Yeah. Um, Danny, you asked for the Colts free agent list. Give me a yeah, because one. because again, now these are going to be guys that Eberflus has a relationship with, right? So you know he's going to bring probably a couple of guys from the Colts staff as well. So maybe again, we're going to look at you know, they're going to want to bring in guys that they're familiar with, right? So right. you know. Uh, uh, Poles is going to go back to his chief guys, and then Eberflus is going to go to his Colts guys. So I wonder if we have a couple list of the, of the Colts players, and maybe maybe there's a linebacker or two he can bring in there and, and play a middle linebacker for him. Maybe there's a safety in there he might want to bring in and, and be his you know his strong safety next to Eddie mm -hmm. Jackson. Uh, maybe a cornerback or so. You know, th those are Eric Fisher is a, the tackle I was talking about. You know, uh, mm -hmm. stopgap tackle we can probably bring in here. You know, Xavier Rhodes is a little high up there in age in terms of a, a corner. You know, Zach Pascal is a, a receiver who's got you know um, some modest production you know in that Colts offense, but he's a guy that could probably come in here and probably compete for a number two or number three position. Just again on a temporary basis until you fill that roster up with with you know nice more more show. talented players. Um, you know uh, the Muhammad kid—that's that's edge rusher. Up, so I'm not—I'm not sure if we need that right now. Depending on what we do with with our two guys, um, you know, TJ Carey is a, is a is a journeyman cornerback. You know, Marlon Mack is is a running back that we probably don't need a running back if we keep things the way they are right now. 
Um, you know, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, Sandejo is a guy who was starting for them uh, toward the tail end of the year. So is he, is he a guy that that's, you can kind of bring in here, again, as a stopgap veteran? You know, so, some of these guys are you're going to have to look at. I'm trying to look to see if there's any any linebackers there. So, okay, there's Zaire yeah, Franklin. Zaire Franklin was, was their, their, their Sam linebacker. So that could be a guy right there you can probably target. You know, he's a guy that was starting for them at, at strong side linebacker. Again, the Bears don't have traditionally a strong side linebacker within the last, you know, three or four years you know, because of this defense. So you go to, the, to a 4-3, you're going to need a, a strong side linebacker. So, you know, these are guys to kind of keep an eye on here, you know, guys from the Chiefs and guys from the Colts and see if they can come and come in here and, and fill some of these gaps in terms of, you know, the, the areas in which the Bears either need depth or need potential starters. Any uh, intriguing names there for you, uh, Mr. Stopchinsky? Yeah, I saw those two linebackers, Matt Adams and uh, Zaire uh, Franklin, as uh, mm-hmm. you know, guys that can come in and make an immediate impact. You know, going uh, back up the list. You know, I'm not sure if Ibrahim Campbell ever played for you know the Colts. I didn't watch, admittedly, a lot of Colts games this year, but he was he was a damn good player at Northwestern. I remember I was part of you know bringing him in there when I was when I was working for those guys. I like Xavier Rhodes a lot. Um, you know, again, he's getting up there in age, but he's still a very productive player. That and we need bodies in that cornerback room that can function, man. You know, Molly Cox is a tight end that that could be a, another number two or number three tight end. I remember Jimmy Graham's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the depth is going to be behind um, Cole Komet there. So I, I could be another guy they could look at target here as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, with with Eberflus's history as as being a DB coach, that's where that's kind of how he initially came up. You know, the coaching ranks was as a, as a DB coach. Uh, went went into uh transition to coaching linebackers and became a dc and also linebackers coach but with his uh history of of uh developing dbs like you really hope that you don't need to bring in your know, corners you hope that he can make something uh, really good out of thomas graham but we saw some flashes this year of some right. really good you know stuff out, out of you know out of a guy that should have honestly been a higher draft pick than what he was he was a, he was a big time player that uh you know just slipped because he didn't he, he sat out all of you know 2020 Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, kind of went out of sight, out of mind a little bit. But uh, we we saw time- what we originally, what you and I, Danny, like what we originally, you know, talked about all last year, especially Senior Bowl week, was how good of a job he did. I knew, I know, mm-hmm. I was pounding the table for him, and I was, I was amped as hell that, that we actually got the kid. Um, yeah, Thomas Graham, and I think also Kendall Vildor. I, th- I think yeah, those guys play a little bit better on on off coverage. I know they're they're smaller guys, they're not you know uh, they're not the bigger body guys, but they're both aggressive in terms of mm-hmm. you know being able to plant and, and and just attack downhill. So I think those guys would kind of benefit with with this change of in in uh, in defense. Now the other thing is, Kari Willis is a starting safety for these guys, and him him coming out of Michigan State, I, I thought he had no chance of. Of, of being a, a full-time starter at the NFL. But, you know, Eberflus, to his credit, has made him a, a damn good starter there at, at, at uh, with the Colts. So, you know, guys like that, you know, guys that are physical, up, that, that can bring that thump, that 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 um, that physical presence to that secondary at safety, I think are, are going to be wanted here now as opposed to what, you know, not that they weren't wanted here previously, but I think they're going to be a, a, a focal point here, especially with this, with this four, three Tampa two defense, that strength is up the middle. You're talking about, you're talking about the, the, the outside linebacker, you're talking about the edge guys, but the middle linebacker and those safeties are very important in this defense. And a strong safety is a guy that needs to be the thumper too. Mm-hmm. You know, for a Jackson go back to being his ball hawking self and, and just, you know, floating around in, in open space, that strong safety guy needs to come up and, and lay the wood on people. Think John Lynch. Back in, Wouldn't it be in awesome? you know, Tampa too. That yeah, that that would be amazing. Get Mike Brown. I was gonna say, wouldn't it be awesome if they bring in Peanut Tillman to teach these guys the peanut punch? Yeah, now, I, I wouldn't pay him fifteen bucks an hour like they were offering Olin Coots. You know, <laughs> I think a little more than that. But you know, just kind of bring him in here and, and and see if they can just teach the peanut punch to all these guys. I mean, Darius Leonard 
they taught him that. You know, he's one of the, the the best now in terms of the NFL being able to get that ball out of there, you know, using that peanut punch move. And I, I think I think if you can bring someone like Peanut Tillman or, or some of these guys like Mike Brown and just teach these guys, you know, just, to, you know, these players, I, I think that will be, be a pretty, pretty cool experience to see those guys in training camp running around with these guys. Yeah, bring him in as a senior, uh, you know, defensive consultant. Give him, give him a really good, uh, you know, quality control type of contract. You know, something that's going to, you know, make him and his family happy. And just just get these guys caught up. They they were, obviously were not doing a good enough job of, of number one tackling, but number two being physical, you know, the entire time. You know, after Vic Fangio left, and that that was the, that's been the bane of my existence. So, you know, watching the Bears play defense, you know, since Vic Fangio. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean these these corners. You know, the thing about it is, is that they got to be you know agile and fluid enough. Got they got to be spiders in space. They also have to be able to be quick and and you mm-hmm. know and you know spike to the ball. Whatever anything goes into the flag, you get an outside run. They, they got to be able to come up, you know, tackle the football, um, just be physical dudes. They also got to play a little bit of, of a jam ball, you right. know, at, at the line of scrimmage. So guys, guys that are athletic and physical and explosive, strong, big enough, not, not to get pushed around and uh, able to play outside leverage, force, that, force these uh, receivers inside so the linebackers can do their jobs. But the one thing with this defense, and, and look at a guy like Nathan Vasher, going back to the Lovey days, right? He wasn't a guy that that was was good in, in terms of one on one, you know, right. staying in phase downfield. But he was what he was. He was instinctive. He was a guy that that excelled off coverage. You know, he was a good job of being able to time his his be able to plant and time his his jump on that route. And he made plays. You know, he got his hands on the football, caused a, a you know a, a broken a PBU, or he got an interception. So you know, guys like that. You know, you don't have to be necessarily a great cover corner now to play in this defense. You just got to be able to um, be instinctive and and also be able to kind of you know plant and come forward. So yeah, that physical ability. The other thing is. Speed, guys. We're gonna see speed, 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 all over this defense, and that—that's what this defense predicates. It's—it's it's more speed. You know, Neil, you're talking about, uh, you know, previously you're talking about being physical, and I, that's the one thing I, that I didn't like about the cover two or, or, or the defense under Lovey Smith was was it wasn't always as physical as I wanted it to be. You know, the, the defense was physical under Vic Fangio, and I loved it. So you know, if if you're gonna you know, do that, because they're gonna bring. Um, you know, slimmer players, more athletic players, guys that fly to the football. So that, that's the one thing that, that's the one little bit drawback. So that's why I'm saying if, if Eberflus can, uh, and I should probably go back and, and take a look at some Colts tape and just kind of, you know, break those games down and just see how he, how he utilizes his, his personnel there. But I just, I want to see some variation, right? I don't want to see that just playing cover too. I want to be able to see uh, his ability to be able to, you know, this guy's coverage is like Stephen Holder, who I was talking about earlier. And I think you, you may have dropped off there, but Stephen Holder, who's a writer for who covers the Colts, said that a good job on, on Eberflus in terms of talking about, you know, he he, he plays at base Tampa too, but he this year he played a lot of man coverage. He also did a lot of j- great jobs in terms of disguising his his coverage. It's pre-snap, kind of trying to confuse the quarterback and then rotating his safeties or, or you know, bringing a blitz or all that stuff. So I want to continue to see more of that development. And and now you have the two studs on the outside, you know, utilize those guys. And now, you know, again, you know, if you want to just rush those four guys and just use more coverage, more disguise, you know, that might be a better way to go ahead and, and, and create more turnovers in terms of interceptions and all that stuff. Um, gentlemen, what is next uh, for this combination of Eberflus and Poles to do is they've got to start, you know, filling up this coaching staff. That's the, the, the first priority. And then secondly, you know, going through those meetings, talking about what the offense is going to look like. They basically have to coach now the coaches so that everybody's on the same page. And then uh, concurrently, it's going to be uh, Ryan Poles working with his new draft team because 
He isn't firing anybody from the draft because they've been working the last several months preparing for this upcoming draft. And so that's the team that he's going to rely on to make draft picks uh, this upcoming April. And so we know that there's a lot of good scouts with the Chicago Bears. You know, Neil, you've talked to some of them and so forth. Have you do you have any indication at all from some of your contacts or from some of your contacts contacts about what the feeling is in the scouting room with the Chicago Bears about what's going on with the, the hiring of Eberflus? It's funny you ask. I haven't uh, heard from anybody uh, just yet. I, I was more or less uh, contacting guys you know, within the Colts, within the Chiefs, just to kind of get a feel for j- – just see what kind of verbiage they use, what, what, what kind of, you know, vernacular that, that they, they, they they put along with uh, the names Eberflus and, and, and Poles because I think a lot of times you can tell a lot about a guy by the type of adjectives they use. Um, haven't uh, gotten to the point of reaching out to my Bears guys yet, but I wanted to make that kind of a priority going into the weekend just to kind of get some feel – for the you know, house is going to be cleaned or hopefully not because like I said before guys like that that uh, scouting department is full of legit evaluators that do a great job that excel at a high level what they do our problem was was that you know the decisions at the top were subpar mm-hmm. so so the, I'm, I'm sorry y'all go and finish her I was going to say, so hopefully um, you know polls does a good job of, of getting with these guys seeing what he has already in, in the cabinet. Uh, keeping a few of these guys around because and there, there's there's a handful of guys in that scouting department right now that can easily just hit the ground running with whatever he wants. So uh, there's reports that he's he's already hired. Uh, Ryan Poles has hired Ian Cunningham, uh, uh, director of player personnel with Phenomenal. the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he is going to be coming in. I'm not sure in terms of is he going to be a assistant GM? Is he going to be just a, you know well, what position he's going to have with the Bears? Uh, but that's a reports right now that he's he's bringing in Ian Cunningham for a high level position within the uh, scouting department. Now the scouts in terms of the Bear Scouts, their contracts are through May, so they're going to be here through the draft. So because they've been working on this draft class under Ryan Pace and under you know the, the previous regime here, so all their notes, all that stuff, it's going to be you know Bears property. They're going to be here with the Bears uh, through the draft, and then after the draft, you know, typically in May is when you see these scouts then leave, and 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 you know you see that the new regime bring in their guys so but yeah other than just uh ian cunningham's been a report that he's going to be uh in some some capacity here with the bears front office that is a big time hire i'm I'm a massive fan of ian cunningham um there there were two guys that typically came through uh mississippi state to you know talk about our guys to see our practices to watch our games ian cunningham at the time he was a director of college scouting uh so you know he was one of the top you know three, four, five guys in that organization making, you know, decisions and and getting that thing organized over there in Philadelphia. Um, big time guy, extremely intelligent, um, stoic. Um, I mean, he's he, he's got it together. He, he's a he's he's somebody that you want in the room, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I wonder I, if this guy's gonna take over the champ Bailey champ Bailey, champ Kelly um Role because Champ Kelly now is is rumored to be going to the Raiders potentially as an assistant right. assistant GM under Dave yeah. Ziegler. Uh, the Raiders now are tomorrow are interviewing Josh McDaniels. Uh, rumors are that that's going to be their coach, and that's why Basacha probably is going to be available now for the Bears to be a special teams coordinator. So, you know, well, things are Eagles, things are happening right now. Sorry. Things are happening. I was just going to say between the Eagles staff and Chiefs staff, there's a lot of familial connections. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there ends up being sort of like you know a symbiotic kind of like blending of. Eagles and Chiefs, you know, going forward, if he, you know, poaches a couple guys from Kansas City, poaches a couple other guys from, from, uh, you know, Philadelphia. Is that all laughing at your uh, analogy there? Was that Aubrey? Was that Aubrey laughing at your analogy? I heard her in the background, maybe. 
No, that's that's probably the dog just being chaotic. <laughs> okay, that's so it's it's is. funny you mention that because you know we know you know you and I know this is a relationship business, right? Everyone hires you know people they know. So uh, the the connection between Poles and Iberflus. Did you guys hear this? So the uh, Mike Berzagi, I think it's Berzingi. It's is is the uh, is it also assistant uh, player personnel director with the Chiefs. His brother is a linebackers coach with the Colts. Okay, yeah. So that's how. Iberflus and Poles know each other through that connection. Now, of course, the um, I think it's Dave Borzaki, Borzingi, I think it's pronounced. He's going to be coming probably with Iberflus here. I don't know if it's going to be a linebacker coach or maybe a defensive coordinator position. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, that's how the connection was made between the two. Would love that move um, too. To be honest with you, that that is great. So I think one of the things that we should do either our next show or or any show before free agency frenzy starts in the NFL, we should, uh, the three of us, look through that list and maybe even bring in a guest to look through that free agency list and talk about, you know, guys, just like you did with the Chiefs and Colts, guys who might be attractive uh, to this new administration. Um, then, the, of course, the other thing is, is the draft. So before we start talking about the draft, just like the, the factor asks, what is the depth of this draft? Is this 2022 NFL draft going to be a deep one? Is it going to be deeper at some certain positions? What have you guys uh, learned and what can you share? Well, for, for me, I mean, right now, it's not a high um, in terms of a star-studded draft, in my in my opinion. This is a, this is a draft that's got some depth in it, but it's got it's got quality depth, but it doesn't have great star potential, right? The, you know, the, like right now, they the the talk about the first overall pick can be anywhere from Evan Neal to you know, Aiden Hutchinson to you know Thibodeau, the, the pass rusher from Oregon. So it's it's all up in the air. There isn't that star quarterback. There isn't that. You know, there's a couple of star pass rushers, a couple of you know offensive linemen that could potentially be you know um, you know franchise type tackles. So, uh, but there's depth throughout. So this is a, a draft that you want to have you know multiple day day two day three picks, right? Uh, right. So if you had, a, you're going to see a, my my opinion, uh, my prediction is you're going to see a lot of guys in that bottom of that first draft, the first round, try and trade out and try and get day two day three picks because they can get some more depth here. And in, in terms of depth, you know. Talking about Neil, I, I don't know how, how far you've gone into it, but in terms of for me, it's 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 a lot of receivers. Um, there's, there's some some solid running backs. Um, there is uh, some interior offensive line depth is is, is pretty good in this draft. Uh, there are some pretty good interior defensive linemen here as well. So um, safety, I think, is going to be a, a, a pretty pretty solid class by by the time everything's all said and done. So uh, we have I haven't dug deep into all those positions, but definitely you know uh, unfortunately the offensive line is something I've been looking at right now, and and I, it's like the interior I, I think is is where the Bears at this moment if they resign resign James Daniels might be okay there, right? Might not have to dip into the uh, the, the five picks in the draft class to, to fill a need there. Uh, they might be able to fill in some 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 depth with, with you know, a veteran free agency. However, the, the tackle, specifically the left tackle, and you know, I, don't know, I don't know if you feel the same way I feel, but I, I think like the left tackle prospects, it, they're more like top 10, top 15. And I, you know, getting one in the second, third round that's going to come in and potentially start uh, it within within a year or two is 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 kind of a crapshoot right now. I'm seeing a lot of right tackle prospects, but I think we we have the right side kind of fortified, you know, uh, at least we think right with Tevin Jenkins or, or Larry Borum there. So mm -hmm. so I'm and you know the only one the left tackle one that I, I looked at is and I think could come in and start it might be in that second round range if you're looking for someone is is the uh, the kid from Iowa State, um, uh, Nicholas. Uh, 
is it Petit Ferre? Yeah. The, the Petit Iowa Ferre. State kid. Yeah. yeah. He's the kid that uh, I think he's got. I thought the, said Iowa State at first. I no, no, I'm sorry. Ohio State. Yeah. So uh, he's he's a guy that's got athletic ability, easy mover. He's a former basketball player. So you see the athletic ability there. Um, you know, his technique needs to be worked on. He's got to get a little more stronger in terms of his core and be able to handle some, some of those anchors, some of those, you know, bull rushes. But he's a guy that I think could be up, up there in a second round range that uh, could potentially be a starter within a year or two. But man, you know, I, I've been, I've been looking at left tackle specifically and, it, and it's, and it's hard for me to find someone that can come in, um, you know, uh, within a year or two and, and, and be a, be a potential starter at left tackle. I don't know how you feel, Neil, about that. Well, I mean, you know, obviously I've said it, you know, a couple other times on different shows that um, in terms of needs, I'm scared about the offensive line in general. The The interior scares me probably more than the outside at the moment. But at the same time, I agree with you. I, I don't think that I, I really don't feel good about what we have right now, a left tackle. Um, and, you know, if we could take our left tackle, move them to right, that'll make me feel a little bit better. Ultimately, I think both those guys would be really good interior players. Um you know, the, the thing about it is, is you look at what's in the room right now, right? Cody Whitehair is the only one that we actually have under contract at the present moment, our left guard. So we got uh, Sam Mustafer, who uh, is, uh, you know, on, on the, the exemption free agent list. We got, uh, you know, Daniels that uh, we could resign. I personally was not impressed by Daniels this year. I felt Daniels and Mustafer both spent way too much time in the backfield. Um, and then you got Alex Bars, who was sort of like your auxiliary player. He, he was your fun guy that, that Nagy likes to use. So, um, Bars has uh, performed decently well in the, in the past. We saw him towards the tail end of 2020 perform, you know, well at the right guard position specifically. Um, but the thing is, is all three of those guys, along with Whitehair, we thought we thought we had it figured out because all we, we we had those four guys you know, on the interior, you know, with one extra dude. Those four guys perform really well towards the back end of the year. Then all of a sudden, we come into 2021 season, and those guys are getting pushed around. Those guys are getting dominated up front by by uh, you know stronger players. Um, get, getting put on skates a lot, way too often for my liking. Uh, you know, me personally, I, I would look for, you know, something to, you know, fix that specific problem in this draft, if possible. Now, if you're looking at, you know, the interior offensive line and the, uh, the, uh, the offensive tackles classes, you know, I feel like if you're going to fix that need with one of the first two picks, you know, you're talking about a, a top 100 guy, you probably have 11 tackles that could be top 100 players and maybe, possibly six uh, interior players that are top 100 guys with some more, you know, quality depth, you know, further on down, maybe around three, four, five guys. Um, so the, I, I guess the, the, the whole thing that they need to figure out at Hallis Hall is what you're going to do with what you currently have in the room. Right. If, and you're, you're talking about Borum, you're talking about Whitehair, and you're talking about uh, Tevin Jenkins. And then of the guys that are, that are, you know, currently, you know, on the free agent list, if you bring back those guys, what is their role going to be? Because I think there, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving pieces to this offensive line class right now, you know, in terms of the draft and also in terms of what you have on the roster or could have on the roster. So where you can get kind of creative there, I feel. But I feel like, you know, whatever you decide to do, that that first pick that, that you have has to be a high-class, high-quality offensive line that come in and start right away. And it'll just be a matter of, you know, is that guy going to be, you know, a, a, a versatile interior player? Is he going to book it, be a bookend left tackle? to, you know, keep Justin Fields off his ass. Um, you know, what are we going to do there? I, I think that, that that's that's the first and foremost, the thing that we have to figure out. Yeah, left tackle's got to be resolved. Because right now, like, I agree with you. I don't think there's a, a player on this on this team right now, because I'm assuming Jason Peters is not coming back, that can play left tackle in the NFL. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't feel like that. And I, I don't Tevin Jenkins is not left tackle. I think that Tevin Jenkins oh, might yeah. be a right tackle, maybe a right guard. I think Larry Borum is probably a, a right tackle, right guard, whatever, you know, and that kind of combination there, wherever that works. I think those guys will be solid on the right side. I, I me, James Daniels is, is my future center. And I know I might be in the minority here again, but you know, a 24 year old, 24 year old kid, I think his his upside is still there. Uh, the guy's been been yanked from center to left guard to right guard. Then last year when he was playing good at left guard, he tore his pack and got injured, and then came back this year. Yeah, he was bullied around a couple of times, but he's he's a wide body athletic center. And the other thing we got to keep in mind, guys, is we don't know who this offensive line coach is going to be. We don't know what kind of system they're going to be running here. With the are they going to be running a gap power scheme? Are they going to be running that that zone scheme they've been running? You know, the last couple of years. So you know, it all depends, right? If they go with a more gap power scheme, they're going to want more powerful guys up front. Then yeah, guys like White. Here and, and for sure, Mustafa are not going to cut the bill there. So you're going to have to kind of replace those guys as well. So it all kind of depends here in terms of what they do, in terms of what direction to go offensively with the coordinator and then the office and light coach and all that stuff. So, but but assuming they, you know, White here, I think will be solid left guard. I, I think I love James Daniels at center. And then and again, right guard, I, right guard, I got Tevin Jenkins or Larry Borum or and, you know, whichever one, you know, doesn't, doesn't win that position, gets the right tackle position. That's for me, at least I'm at least comfortable that now, but do we need depth? Yeah. Hell yeah. We need depth behind those guys. 100%. The other thing is, but left tackle, I don't see anybody on this team. that could play left tackle. So that's why I say if, if, if you, that's why I've been specifically looking at left tackle, see when that, that 38th, 39th pick. Uh, and even if you trade down, I want to see someone maybe you can bring in later on. But again, the, the more you get down with left tackle, unless I, there's someone I haven't, I haven't seen yet on tape. I just feel like you're, you're kind of reaching. You're kind of hoping for a guy that can come in, you know, and, and maybe be a starter within a year or two. So uh, that's why I think free agency is where you go and get a veteran left tackle. You know, we talked about Dwayne Brown, Eric Fisher, some of these stopgap guys that can come in, maybe two-year contracts, three-year contracts, and then be able to kind of, you know, fill that need for you until you get that guy in the fifth round and develop that guy, or maybe next year's draft, bring in a, a left tackle and help develop that guy as well. So that's that's what I'm looking at here in the offensive line. Sure. Before uh, before we jump in uh, to talk about the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl, I want to address some of the questions here that have been posed over the last 30 minutes or so. Uh, James Foster wanted to get your take on Donovan West for center. You want to go? I haven't seen Donovan West yet. Do you want to go ahead and take that one, Neil? Have you seen Donovan I, West? I, I can't really speak on that, to be honest with you. That's fine. Uh, James Foster also wanted to know, what about Luke Gadaki? third round tackle what's your take and again these guys are just scratching the surface with their scouting on stuff so they may not have the intel yet uh and if they don't we will address it in, uh, in upcoming shows you guys want, at all want to comment on the this uh tackle i believe that's a guy from central michigan i think yep. that's the right tackle from central michigan uh again these are right tackle prospects guys and, and i think right tackle is a position that we have with with tevin jenkins and with larry borum you know, one of those two guys is going to be the right tackle. So I'm, I'm not really looking at right tackle right now in terms of a, a, a position of need. I'm looking at specifically left tackle, and and that kid from Central Michigan cannot play left tackle. The other kid, Raheem, can can, can play left tackle, but he's a converted tight end. You know, he was he was just played left tackle for, for you know this last year and a half. So, but he's a guy that's going to be at the Senior Bowl. He's one of the guys that I have on my list here, and in terms I'm going to be watching and see how he develops there. But uh, he's about 6'5", 303, 305 pounds. Uh, the other kid from from Central Michigan, developmental guy all the way. I mean, yeah. really athletic dude. But you know, he has but not a guy I was a second round pick on or a right. third round pick. You know, the guy a day three guy for sure. Bring him and develop him again. Get a stopgap veteran. You bring a kid like that kid from Central Michigan, and you can develop him in a couple of years. And he's just starting left tackle. 
Scott wanted to know your thoughts on Sorensen, uh, the uh, strong safety, and possibly signing him. It, would no. he be a guy you want to target? No, no. Uh, that guy's been picked on. That guy's Daniel Sorensen from the the Chiefs. I'm assuming he's, he's talking. Yeah, no. That guy's been picked on. That guy's been benched. I, I I would not bring him in. No. Um, and uh, Bruce Ollie Walter Jordan wanted to know if no. King Tonga become a one tech. I don't, I don't, maybe, I mean, maybe I, I can tell guys as a guy, like a developmental kid, a guy that's going to get stronger and be more style at the, at the point of attack. Uh, again, you're not going to be asking uh, to, you know, for a pass rush from him specifically. That's why I think guys like Eddie Goldman and, and, and Tonga could, could fill in. Now I, I could be, I can see them getting creative on third downs and, and going with what they call a NASCAR package where you have, you know, the, the two guys and Mac and, 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 um, and Quinn on the outside, and you go with a Travis Gibson and you know Mario Edwards Jr. at, at tackles, and you you go with that what the Giants call the NASCAR package, and now now you just specifically just rushing the you know rushing the quarterback. So I think that could be creative on third downs. But if you're specifically looking at, at a first or second down player with Tonga here, and in, in terms of playing that one technique and, and being a, a run stopper, he can yeah if he, he can pick him by do it, just got to get stronger and more stout at the point of attack, in my opinion. You know? He's got a big offseason ahead of him. I mean, yes. We saw flashes from that kid. I had him on one of my top tens in terms of interior <laughs> defensive linemen when we're talking uh, you know, position by position last year. Yeah. Like liked a lot of what you saw from him at BYU. But but again, like, you know, my whole thing was that particular position for us wasn't all that deep last year. I saw a guy that showed flashes as a developmental kid to take, you know, exactly where we took him in in, in the draft this this uh this this past uh, May. Um you know, thing about it is he's got a he's got a uh, a big offseason ahead of him. He's got to hit the ways. He's got to you know develop into a, a strong, powerful dude to even have a shot to be a three down guy. But again, like his his whole thing is, is he's agile, he's nimble. Um, he he can be used to rush the passer, like Danny said. That that's really what his role is going to be right now as we sit here today. And just a quick note on the, the kid from Central Michigan, the left tackle. His name is Bernard Raymond. Mm-hmm. Okay. Raymond, six six, three hundred six pounds. Uh, was a tight end. It's been converted over to left tackle. Has been starting a left tackle for them for the last year and a half. So that's a guy I got my eye on. Very good. All right. Uh, next big thing on the horizon for us here is going to be an evaluation of the college all-star games. So let's talk a little bit about the East-West Shrine Bowl game. Uh, it's uh, being held in Las Vegas. I think it's a week from Thursday. Or yeah, is it uh, this Thursday? This uh, a week from today. It is. Yeah, which is so. Sunday is the uh, the um, NFLPA game. Correct. Yeah, that's in that's in Pasadena. So that's Sunday, and then I think yeah, next next week is the uh, East West Shrine, and then the following the fifth is the um, Senior Bowl. Great. So uh, I want to take a quick look at the East West Shrine Bowl game roster first, and then we'll look at the Senior Bowl rosters. And guys, let me know if uh, there's a name there that really stands out that you want to look into. And by the way, uh, this was this is from NFL Sapient website. And it, uh, it put this tweet up from Eric Galco. I want to get your impressions on this. Two overdue announcements, uh, writes Galco, for the Shrine Bowl game. One, our rosters will be split solely by the NFL projected scheme. They'll be split by offensive personnel, 11 versus 12 personnel, and defensive personnel, 4-3 versus 3-4 will allow players to impress at their future NFL position. I love that concept. Oh, Isn't no. that cool? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good idea. Because that way, now you can kind of, instead of projecting as you're watching them play, you can kind of see them in that role. Yes. Now, obviously, you know, you need to develop and you need a, you know, a different system, but you can see them in, the, in that in that personnel package. That's, that's, that's very good. Love it. 
All right, so let's uh, scroll down and look at some of these names. Just stop me, uh, or I have a couple names if you want to just kind of. Yeah, uh, so running game uh, on on the East roster, I'm, I'm obviously I'm looking at guys. I'm looking at receiver. I, I, receiver is is a dire need here. Whether you attack it in free agency with veterans, uh, we talked about the cap situation that that's going to cost you some money. So I'm thinking you're going to attack it with 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 the draft and, and some some low level free agents, but. Uh, just guys that, that kind of caught my eye is one is, is Charleston. This is, this is the Shrine game, right? Right, right, okay. uh, and the East roster. So, and, and one of the guys is, is Charleston Ramble, uh, receiver uh, mm -hmm. from Miami. Uh, you guys might know that name because he played at Oklahoma and he transferred there last year. Six feet, 180 pounds, 79 receptions, uh, over 1,100 yards, average almost 15 yards a catch with seven touchdowns. So, I think that's a guy that gives you some of that big play potential down the field. Um, again, he was in a heavy pass offense at Oklahoma, transferred over to to Miami, and had a, had a pretty damn good season last year with with uh, with the Hurricanes. Another another big body receiver, uh, six foot, uh, Jakari Roberson from Wake Forest, um, seventy one receptions, over a thousand yards, averaged fifteen point two yards per catch and eight touchdowns. Again, another guy six feet, one hundred eighty. 80, 85 pounds. So give you some of that, you know, that ability. We have to go up there and make a play on a football. I uh, love the way he contours his body, be able to adjust to the to the throw there as well. So keep an eye on, on Jakari Roberson from Wake Forest, a receiver. Um, the offensive line, uh, Myron Cunningham from Arkansas. He's a guy that last year what thought about was coming out. And I thought he had a chance to be a top, you know, a, a, a day two pick, you know, probably, you know, for sure a day three pick. Uh, are from Arkansas, 6'5, 320 pounds. He's a three-year starter at left tackle, uh, has played right tackle as well. So he gives you some of that some that versatility there as well. So you're looking this at a, probably a day three guy here. So Myron Cunningham from, from Arkansas is a guy potentially you can bring in. We touched, you know, I was talking about, you know, signing a veteran uh, free agent at left tackle and then bringing in a young guy and developing and having him take over. Well, Myron Cunningham could be one of those players you take in day three, put him on your, you know, develop on your, on your bench. And then by next year or, or two years from now, He's just starting left tackle. So he gives you that potential. Again, can start at left or right tackle. So he gives you some of that versatility there as well. So Myron Cunningham is a guy that, that's keep an eye on uh, on the uh, East roster for the East-West Shrine game. Um, Alec Lindstrom. We just talked about um, – um, you know, James Daniels, you know, is, is he, is he going to be resigned? He's only 24 years old. I think he's your center. I think you resign him and bring him back and plug him in center and leave him at center. However, you know, things happen. If, if he gets a big offer, they, they might go ahead and let him go. Alec Lindstrom is, is a guy, um, his father and brother actually played in the NFL. His, his brother, Chris Lindstrom was a, uh, first round pick of the Falcons. So, uh, if he's from Boston college, uh, about you know, a little undersized, about six, one, 300, 300 pounds, but he's a scrappy center. Uh, again, depending on what scheme you're going to be running here, you're going to be running a, a gap scheme. You're going to be running, you know, a, an athletic, you know, a, east, you know, a zone scheme. So we're going to take a look and see what they come here. But he could be a, a guy to keep an eye on in terms of a potential day three pick at center. Um, defensive back. I'm looking at safeties, man. I'm looking at guys that can bring the thunder. And uh, this is a guy that that I love watching him play. Um, aggressive as hell, and that's Bubba Bolden, strong safety from Miami. Uh, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's another guy that transferred from USC over to Miami. A two-year starter, 100, 135 tackles in his career. 10 tackles for loss and two interceptions. Not a big a big ball hawk, but he's more of a guy that's going to bring that physical presence uh, in, in the backfield. The only concern I have about him is, again, some, some uh, range uh, liability and, and coverage. The other thing is injuries. I mean, the guy plays so hard and, and he hits so hard, he always gets himself hurt. So you're going to keep an eye on him in terms of you know being able to uh, again, day three guy, guy can come in, potentially be a, a future strong safety for you there as well. So you know, that's a that's a guy from the, uh, as in terms of the defensive backfield. 
Uh, Neil, do you have any guy, anybody from the from the E squad before I go to the, my West team? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and in terms of DBs, you know, we gotta get secondary guys. The the, the kid that's kind of intriguing to me is uh, Jermaine Waller from Virginia Tech. You know, Jermaine Waller. I can you know access my notes here real quick. You know, um, you know he's a dude that you know. I mean, a lot, a lot of uh, stabs. You know, he's a love hate guy, but very smooth athlete, great cover. Uh, you know, great coverage guy. He's got ball skills. Those are things that people love about him. Others question his size. You know, he they, they feel like he might be just a little bit too thin. They feel he's a developmental and he, he struggles in contested situations. But, you know, what he is athletically and what he can do in coverage is, uh, you know, you, you don't really question that much. And we need guys that, that can that can cover. We need guys that can that can um, you know, make some plays on the ball. The Brad Hawkins kid from Michigan, I think, is really intriguing. Just from the standpoint that, you know, in, in terms of you know, strong safeties, we need a guy that, that's, that's thick, that's physical and come down and lay some wood. You know, he's a strong safety with size and physicality uh, to also be a cover, a cover backer in uh, some uh, sub packages. So um, position versatility is, uh, you know, something that's that's really interesting with him. Um, some interesting, uh, you know, D linemen that, you know, aren't really, you know, much on the radar that I, I can remember from, you know, the, the days in recruiting and and also just, you know, names to just kind of keep an eye on is, uh, you know, Ellis uh, Noah Ellis um, out of Idaho. Um, LeBron Ray out of, out of Alabama and Taylor Humphrey out of Louisiana are three guys that are, they're big body dudes that, uh, you know, showed a lot of promise, uh, athleticism, power, um, you know, more developmental guys, you know, early on in their careers, but, you know, now they're, they're back on the radar as, uh, you know, all-star game, you know, participants. It'd just be interesting to see what those guys do in, in that kind of arena, if that makes sense. But the only um, thing with those guys is they're more nose tackles. You know, they're, they're, I don't know if these guys have, have a place in this new system, in this 4-3 Matt e, you know, Eberflus system. That's the only question with those guys. I have. Well, well, again, like what are we going to do with, with uh, you know, Eddie Goldman? You know what I mean? It's, it'll, it'll just be you – know, what, what, what do they decide to do actually with that specific position? Is, is the only reason why I'm kind of paying attention that, to that, that position. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys, you know, a handful, five, six guys in terms of interior defensive linemen that are going to be, you know, difference makers in a strap. We'll have no chance of getting any single one of them, but uh, it, it's just worth keeping an eye on. That, that, that's all I'm. That's all I'm saying about that, really. Um, uh, and then I almost forgot. Uh, secondary wise, Wanye Thomas from Georgia Tech is is another guy that that's really intriguing to me from a, a safety position. Um, you know, Wanye Thomas for uh, versatility. Um, he has strong safety toughness, physicality with uh, with speed, range. Uh, the ball hawkery of a free safety. Um, you know, he's probably a guy that would go in like the three to five range. You know, he'd be a mid draft you know, type of guy. And, and, you know, people say that he's a big time vocal leader. So and you, you always want to have a guy back there that has versatility, that can be physical, but also does have a ton of range. And at the safety position, you also want leaders as well. So that's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on as well. Great stuff, gentlemen. Um, I have guys on the West team if you have time. Please go. Please go yeah. for it. All right, yeah, West team again. Uh, receivers. This is a little different guy here. Emeka Amizi from the NC State, 6'2", 220 pound, big body possession type receiver. Not a guy that's going to be a, a flashy guy. Not, not a guy that's going to on his own, but he's a guy that can get you go up and make a play on on those 50-50 jump balls. Uh, so Emeka Amizi is a guy from NC State to keep an eye on. Again, big body receiver. Um, you know, speed deficiency is going to be his issue. He's not going to run a, a four four or anything like that. He's probably going to be in a high four fives, maybe even in the low four sixes. So again, a guy just going to be able to go up and make plays down the field on just those contested, you know, catches. Uh, talk about the opposite. Talk about a guy who's, who's got a burner. Who's got you guy can accelerate away from defenders. That's Tyquan Thornton from Baylor, six two hundred eighty pounds, skinny kid, 
but the guy's got some speed. You know, he had 62 receptions this year, uh, averaged 15.3 yards per catch with 10 touchdowns. Again, tall, thin, speed receiver, has that what I call easy speed. You'll just see him just kind of blowing away from, from defenders downfield. Uh, uh, nice hands to be able to, you know, kind of uh, uh, extend away from his frame and be able to bring the catch in, can contour his body and adjust to the ball. So he's a guy that, that can give you that, some of that size and some of that big play potential down the field. Ran a limited route tree at Baylor, didn't run out the full route tree. So he's a guy that still kind of may, might be falling to that developmental kind of kind of territory category there, if you will. But definitely a guy that brings us that that, that big play potential downfield. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a couple deep balls in this game to him uh, specifically. And that's Tyquan Thornton from, from Baylor. Uh, offensive lineman, this guy. This is a guy, Jackson Kirkland from Washington. Um, you know, measurables are there for me, 6'6", 305. The guy's a two-time All-Pac 12 first-team uh, player. You know, a guy's got played. Uh, it's a four-year starter. He started uh, two, 25 games at right guard, and he started 16 games at left tackle. You put on his tape, and and you like his his nastiness, you like his demeanor. You're the guy who likes to finish. The guy who plays through the whistle. But man, if you I don't know if you've seen him yet, Neil. But I mean, the, his body is his lower half is just thin as heck, and he's so underdeveloped odd. in terms of his legs. Right? It looks just looks odd, and and you see it getting bullied and getting pushed back, and 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 just you know walked back. And it, he might be a guy that that might not that might struggle on the outside, but he could be a guy potentially inside a guard. I just love his temperament in terms of the you know how hard he plays and and, and looking to always finish his, his his blocks. And again, he gives you that you know he jumps out of his his, his stance pretty quick, so he has that athletic ability. But just that underdeveloped lower half is, is just really striking and something that I'm just not sure he can play left tackle in the NFL, but definitely a guy that's going to have a place on a roster, possibly inside a guard. So Jackson Kirkland is a guy from Washington to keep an eye on as well. Very good. Let's move on now to the Senior Bowl. Uh, let's, uh, since you've looked at it from the roster standpoint, Danny, why don't you? Do you want to start with uh, the American team? Sure. Uh, American team. Uh, okay, linebackers here. I, I got Channing Tidwell from uh, Georgia, 6'2", 230 pounds, six seven tackle, sixty seven tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. We just talked about the need for for a middle linebacker. Uh, he's a guy that that could possibly play middle linebacker. He's got some pretty damn good speed and athletic kid. If not, he's probably got a guy to kick out to to a strong side position. So linebackers, we're going to be looking at here in, in these these all star games and and. Uh, Channing Tindall is is a guy from Georgia. The other guy from Georgia is Quay, uh, Quay Walker. Uh, th this might be a little bit uh, me just kind of hoping he falls to the Bears, but he, the guy, this is the guy that, that could potentially go in that low first round, high second round. So if, if he's in that area, he's probably going to be out of the Bears range because I don't think they're going to go a linebacker that that early. But another guy, 65 tackles, tackling machine. You talk about a guy potentially playing middle linebacker for you in that defense. Coy Walker from Georgia is a guy to keep an eye on. You know, Neil, we talked about defensive line, right? I'm, I'm looking at three technique. I'm looking at a, a case below Nichols who's a free agent, doesn't come back, is not re-signed. You know, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia is another guy. I'm, I'm loving my SEC. I'm loving my Bulldogs here, guys. Georgia defensive lineman, 6'2", 310 pounds. This guy's an ideal three technique. He got lost in the shuffle with, with all those stars that are, that are on that Georgia team, but this is the guy that, that can penetrate that gap. You, you line him up to the outside shoulder of a guard, uh, either inside or outside shoulder of the guard and that, that three technique position. This is a guy that can shoot those gaps, get upfield and cause, cause some havoc in the backfield. And you, if you put, watch Georgia games this year, you know, he, he, he wasn't the, the big name guy, but you saw him making National plays all the time, big time. Um, and then a the receiver, I, I was told, keep an eye on Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy, you know, 6'2", 285 pounds, had 82 receptions, uh, almost 1,500 yards, averaged 18 yards a catch. 
and eight touchdowns. So he's got some size. He's got some ability to make some plays downfield. So Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, they'll be playing in, in his home stadium. So look for him to kind of shine in those one-on-one -on -one, uh, opportunities there and, and down in Mobile. So those are my guys from the, from the American team to keep an eye on. Yeah, that Tolbert kid absolutely torched the Sunbelt Conference this year. Over a thousand yard receiver. Had I had two stats. scouts tell me keep an eye on him. He he might be the, yeah. the the guy that shines this weekend. Absolutely. Or next weekend. By no, the way, I mean, in terms of receivers, there's a couple other guys that uh, I'm I'm really looking at too. And one I talked about a lot even last year is that Danny Gray from SMU. I mean, you're talking about a dude that has speed, explosiveness, can separate. You know, he's he's a big big play. You know, uh, just you know, big time. You know, you know, shine when the lights are brightest. You know, type of dude that uh, is is gonna just blow people away in Indianapolis during the combine. Um, you know, his athletic measurables are gonna be off the charts. And then a, a guy that I think could also be a little bit of a sleeper is a Dontario Drummond kid from Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. I, I I've been saying that you know slot receiver big time. Uh, he no, he's he's a big you know six foot two, two hundred and like five pound type kid. But he, he might be up to two twenty now. But at Ole Miss, when I put up some of his tape, I saw they they line up in a slot, and I don't know if that was just Lane Kiffin lining up in a slot. And he took advantage of that opportunity yeah. in the slot, so I think he could he could play there as well. Yeah, he took over for more, and he became the number one receiver in, in in that offense. You know, another guy that just had a ton of stats that you know may not have gotten all the the recognition that that he deserved, but you know he's another guy that I, that I expect to shine. You know, from from the wide receiver position. Um, you know, you talk about Quay Walker. He's a stud. Damone Clark is probably going to go first round, and he probably won't won't fall to us. But in terms of a guy that that's versatile, that that could blitz, that could hit, that can cover, that could pretty much go sideline to sideline. He's an amazing player, and you know, you'd love to have him in the locker room. Um, the uh, the offensive line position that's going to be worth watching. I like Ed Ingram out of LSU. Uh, physical, nasty, body. powerful, wide body yeah. guy, interior guy. Uh, Dylan Parham could be a center. If we decide to go ahead and and uh, you know take a center with, with an offensive line pick, Cade Mays out of Tennessee, um, Dylan Parham was from Memphis. Cade uh, Cade Mays out of Tennessee is a guy that who probably is going to fit be a in guard. the interior. Probably be a guard though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll fill in the interior at the next level. But at the same time, he's you know six six, three hundred plus. Played all five positions during his career at Tennessee. Uh, really intriguing kid. Um, you know, there's a couple of tailbacks that I love. We're not going to take a tailback. Uh, right. If you look at these DBs. Tariq Woolen, extremely intriguing. You know, he's from uh, UTSA. Um, the buzz on him is that, uh, you know, he's he, he's a guy that needs a good senior bowl, could have day two potential. Uh, freak athlete, raw, uh, has size, but he's raw. Um, he has some some issues in his background from a character and medical standpoint that will need to get, you know, figure out, you know, during the interview process. But, man, that, that, that's a, you know, extremely athletic kid that that is explosive and can jump high and run fast. And then Alante Taylor from Tennessee corner. Um, that, that was a kid that uh, had a lot of promise coming up. Didn't have the best, you know, 2021 season that you expect him to have, but a quality player throughout the four years that he played for Tennessee. Um, you know, he, I, I want to see what he can do, you know, on at the, uh, the all-star level and in this particular arena. So I, I think he could be a guy that, you know, we could take with maybe an early day three pick. One guy I left off here real quick, Neil, is, is another DBS. That's Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska. 5'11", 205, oh, yeah. four-year starter. Uh, we're talking about, you know, guys that are going to probably excel in off coverage and be real good tacklers. 140 tackles for his career, 10 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, five interceptions, and 22 passes defense. So keep an eye on Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska there at, at, at defensive back. And Federian Mathis, the, <laughs> the, the interior D lineman from Alabama. I mean, both Federian Mathis, Devontae Wyatt. I mean, if you watch that national title game, like those are those are two guys that really made made you know quarterbacks uneasy and made a bunch of plays in the backfield, just like all out disruptors. Um, impressive, you know, watching them play a couple weeks ago. Did, did Darren um, 
Darian Kendrick not make the uh, Senior Bowl? The kid from Georgia, the cornerback. He is. Uh, he's in. Um, he's in Vegas. He's for Shrine. Really? Yeah, okay. So yeah, he's a he's a kid. He really intrigues me a lot, man. Now I know he's got some off the field stuff. Obviously, he was dismissed from from Clemson. But you watch that Georgia defense again. SEC bias here. My 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 go dogs here. Last year I was I was I was the uh, what you call me with Texas the Texas uh hook him Danny. Hook'em Danny. Danny so, Hook'em. So Danny this, Hook'em. This, this, I'm going to be go dogs, Danny. Uh, but yeah, Darian Kendrick, man, I'm telling you, if you get this kid in in that, that day two, day three, you know, area, you know, fluid kid, uh, again, transfer from uh, from Clemson because he was dismissed from the team. Uh, I mean, he's a fluid mover. Guy has four inter- you know, 41 tackles, four interceptions, three pass defenses past year. Uh, really, I took, you know, kind of progressed and got really, really good there towards end there uh, of the season for, for Georgia. So, you know, Kendrick, uh, Darian Kendrick from Georgia, a cornerback. Again, guys, corners, linebackers, offensive linemen, specifically tackles, middle linebackers, you know, safeties, receivers, uh, maybe a tight end. You know, these are all positions we're going to be looking at here. Oh, Darian Kendrick, he, he's he's in uh, Mobile. Is he? Okay. He's I, on I the American I, team. Okay. Just yeah. I'll make sure I didn't miss him there. All right. Was, uh, so national team? Names, <laughs> National team, uh, uh, okay, Johan Dotson, uh, Penn State, 5'10", Dynamo, 180 pounds, 91 receptions, uh, 1,182 yards, 12 touchdowns. We're talking about a guy who's got speed, big play potential. Uh, we talked about this. This defense is going to get a lot of speed on it. I think this offense needs, needs a lot of speed. So, obviously, we need to see who the offensive coordinator is going to be, what type of system they're going to build around Justin Fields. But, man, I've been crying for these for these players for, for about two, three years now, just these guys – Get the ball in their hands. Let them do their thing in the open field. Let them create, you know, um, you know, th- with that speed and that, that ability to just kind of accelerate and get away from defenders. So, you know, Jahan Dotson again. This guy might be a late first round pick. Might be a we'll be go we'll go in the second round. So maybe it's it's wishful thinking. You know, maybe the Bears trade down from that second round pick and get some more picks, and they have they can get him in a mid to late second round if he lasts that long. But Jahan Dotson is a playmaker on on at receiver. Um, Khalil Shakir, uh, receiver from Boise State, 5'11, 185 pounds. Another guy, um, you know, more of a straight line, fast kid, uh, you know, 77 receptions, uh, almost 1,200 yards in receiving, averaging 14 and a half uh, yards per catch with seven touchdowns. So, another guy bringing some of that speed element on offense at, at the receiver position, a guy I'm looking at. And the other guy on the national team, I've already kind of touched on here, is that Bernard Raymond from uh, Central Michigan, the um, the converted tight end to left tackles, you know, six five, six six, three hundred pounds, uh, athletic as heck. Uh, I just want to see how he does, especially those one on ones with those big defensive linemen. I want to see how, how he handles there and, and and see if he's made that full transition or if he's going to be going into the league as, as just basically a developmental player, a guy that you kind of put on your on your bench and just hope to your you know your coaching staff builds up into a starter eventually. Yeah, some uh, of these DBs on this national team are intriguing to me. Um, and, and in terms of you know cornerback being a uh, you know potential late round you know need that where we can fill some depth and maybe find a sleeper, I like uh, you know Penn State's Tariq Cashel Fields, I like Pittsburgh's Damari Mathis, Washington State's Jalen Watson. In terms of Cashel Fields for Penn State, he was a guy that had a lot of buzz preseason, probably started the year off uh, you know higher up on draft boards, had a little bit rough here, struggled with his eyes and, and instincts a little bit, uh, gave up some big plays. But he's a guy that that has some decent size, that has you know all the athletic measurables. Could be a sleeper, a guy that that could potentially fall to a day three uh, pick that you know we could fall into and end up with the Thomas Graham type of kid. Same thing with these other two, Demari Mathis from Pittsburgh. He's a he's a cover corner with physicality. Uh, he's a tough, willing tacker, tackler. He plays bigger than he is. Probably the smallest kid that I actually have on my list. And then by small, I mean like five eleven, one ninety. Uh, but uh, you know when, when you got guys that are that are tough, that are willing tacklers that. Uh, 
you know, play bigger than their size. You know, it, it's hard to turn away, especially when they're big time players. Jalen Watson from Washington State is a guy with great size and length. And, you know, he's a cover guy all the way. Um, I've been watching those guys, you know, especially in, in the DB room. I like the Kobe Bryant kid out of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a wild card to me. Um, yeah. You know, big time player. You know, what what is he? Where is he going to go? What's he going to look like? What's he right. going to run? All those. Is he a slot? Do you think he's a slot corner? Uh, he, he could be a nickel. You know, I, I think he could fit really well there. Um, but I mean, that's, that's the thing is that he's such a wild card. It, it'll be fun to see exactly, you know, what, you know, he ends up looking like, you know, over the course of, you know, the all-star game in that particular arena, when we get him to Indianapolis, what's he going to run? How's he going to, you know, navigate the drills? I, I think the interview process is going to be huge for him as well. Um, and I, I actually, actually love Roger McCrary from Auburn. I, I think that that guy will be an, a, a perfect fit now here for this, for this defense, especially mm-hmm. a guy that can like a big, you know, guys, physical corner. You know, a four-year starter, 5'11", 190 pounds, 30 pass defense, six interceptions in his career. He's got he's got ball skills. A guy that, that can come down and, and, and make plays in, in, in the run defense. So I think he'll be a phenomenal fit. You know, if, if they kept that second-round pick and he's there that, that day too, I, I wouldn't mind them going in and picking him and, and just running with with uh, him and, and Jalen Johnson as, as their starting cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, um, Sterling Weatherford from Miami, Ohio, I think he's really intriguing. He's a kid that plays safety. But he's the type of dude that you know has a size and the physicality and also the athletics, the athletic measurables to uh, be drafted, you know, up into a linebacker position, which is actually what he's working out at, you know, during uh, his time in Mobile. And I was excited to see that because he's exactly the type of dude that you you uh, you draft down in, in in terms of position because he's got the physicality and the size and the speed to be able to you know potentially be a, a difference maker at least in the, on, in uh, you know special teams. He'll probably be a late pick, but uh, you know. In terms of developmental guy, he's really intriguing. Um, if you look at the offensive alignment that, that, that they have on this particular size of ball, the uh, Zion Johnson kid from Boston College, I really liked last year. Um, and was a guy that, uh, you know, was potentially coming out. He decided to stay. Um, I love Zion Johnson. Yeah. I, I, think, I think he's, he's going to, he has Pro Bowl potential within, the, you know, two or three years in the league. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, he, he was a guy that played left tackle last year. He moved right. inside the guard this year. And, uh, you know, incredibly smart kid, could probably play all five positions, kind of like, you know, the kid from Northwestern last year that ended up playing left tackle for uh, – where, where did he go? Sean Slater. Chargers. Sean Slater. Yeah, Chargers, he went yeah. to the Chargers. Uh, Rashawn Slater's, you know, I, I, I felt last year like he was a kid that was incredibly smart, could, could uh, position really well at center, can easily play both guard positions, functional at tackle, although it's probably not where he's going, you know, to ultimately, you know, fit the best. Zion Johnson, to me, is the same type of kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as athletic, as, you know, twitchy, as you know, all those things, but he's going to test really well and he's going to impress in the, in the, uh, the, uh, uh, the pre-draft meetings. Um, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued about that kid. Um, you talk about some big boys, uh, Daniel Falele. The, uh, the the six foot eight four hundred yep. pound Australian. Yeah, that, he, that he's he's a pretty good player. athlete for that size, man. But he's a right tackle. I mean, he's not gonna play left tackle. Yeah, I mean, he's just a big athletic dude. Is, is, yeah. is the point I'm, I'm getting at? He he was a former rugby rugby player when he was yep. over in Australia. Came over, um, played his high school ball like one or two years of high school ball at IMG, and uh, you know signed with Minnesota. Um, just just a big athletic freaking right. dude, man. Yeah. Um, Northern Iowa is Trevor Penning. You know, last year, you He's know, Northern Iowa had the, yeah. uh, the the twin towers of, of Penning yep. and uh, uh, what was the other kid's name? Spencer Blanking. Brown. Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown yep. and Trevor Penning. Twin towers on, on the end. He's ends. intriguing for me too, yep. yep. Abraham Lucas was a guy that we kind of looked at last year as a, as a potential, you know, coming yeah. up kid. Um, I, I think he's intriguing enough to, you know, if he falls, you know, to a, to a day three. I, he had he was a kid going into the season. I feel had day two potential. But he's probably a day three guy. But he's got size. He's got length. Um 
And, doesn't have you know, the quickness it, it, to play left tackle, though. I, I think he's, he's right. got to be a right tackle or inside. And I'm surprised you have him on your list because he hasn't finished a lot of his blocks. I, that's one of the things I, I said, oh, Neil's not going to like this guy. He hasn't finished a lot of his blocks. You know, I, I, just, I just look at his fundamentals. He's technically sound. He does it the right way. You know, he, he's not a, a mean, nasty dude like I like. Mm-hmm. But you know, we also just need to get guys on the field that can handle their responsibilities. Yeah, I think too. I think his he's got a lot of <laughs> hip stiff uh, hip stiffness, and I think if if his position probably if it's going to be inside a guard, most likely I would love to see him at tackle, but I just don't yeah. think he's going to hold up on on the uh, on the island there by himself. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is, is he, you know he could be best inside, but you know he he has uh, enough good film for him to play somewhere. And so oh, I want to get sure. a really good look yeah. at him this week and see exactly what he is and where where they put him. You know, because he, he played left tackle. He could be a right guard, could be a right tackle. He could, he could go a bunch of different places. The uh, um, Let's see. Where am I at here? I think that might be it for this national team. The uh, the wide receivers, I, I mentioned on, on a couple shows prior, uh, the wide receiver position uh, on this team has Alec Pierce, you know, from mm-hmm. Cincinnati. You know, he was a kid that had a really good showing against uh, against Notre Dame, uh, made a bunch of big plays. Um, I don't – I hate to use this particular – uh, vernacular we're talking about receivers, but sneaky fast, mm-hmm. you know, what the hell is sneaky fast? But I mean, he really is like, he doesn't look like he's moving very fast, but he's covering a lot of ground. It's uh, he's, he's white. Kind of, that's why that's, that's probably gotta be it. <laughs> Wait, we have to be a racist. Dan. <laughs> really? I uh, Cooper cup is fast and he's white. I, I remember no, but he's legit fast. So like he's a legit explosive. <laughs> Alec Pierce. He's, he's not explosive, man. He, he, he runs really well. He's going to be a four or five kid when, once he came to the combine. Uh, Romeo Dobbs from Nevada, I think, could be a guy that surprises some people. You know, nobody's really talking about him. He's got really good size. He's like 6'2", 200 plus. Uh, caught like a thousand yards worth of balls from Carson Strong. You know, this past season didn't get the fanfare, but you know, a, a guy I'm going to keep an eye on because the stats are there, the size is there, the I think the speed is there, just from the the few clips that I watched. The Christian Watson kid from North Dakota State. You know, you n- you never ha- you never look past the uh, the fighting bison, man. You know right, the, right. the 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 players ship invitational, North Coast State players, invitational, yeah. yeah. And ju- I mean, you know, you talk about John Dotson, that that kid's just a ball of explosion. So I, I, those are the guys that I'm gonna you know keep an eye on. I, you know, the Cole Turner kid from Nevada, tight end. Um, yeah, the tight ends are positioning that I'm gonna. I I kind of have in the back of my mind. I just don't five picks is like. You need tight ends. You you, yeah. you know what are you gonna do here? It's that's why I, I hate being limited. You know how much it hurts me to only have five picks, although oh, yeah, it hurts me. Hurts uh, me, too, man. <laughs> I love but yeah, it. tight end is a intriguing position as well. Really intriguing player. All right, we got about 15 minutes less, maybe a little less than that. So what I want to do is I asked people in the chat room a few minutes ago to to submit their questions. So I'd like to go through these as quickly as possible. Uh, let me go with I am Scox first. He says, oh, we got that one already. Good. <laughs> Get that one out of there. Uh, Bear Truth 9, question, is this draft, are you building the trenches over a wide receiver position with that first pick, uh, that which is in the second round? So with talent and production level equal? So, in other words, you're, you're you're drafting offensive line first, right, guys? Yeah. If, if the grade is is equal, uh, like the question says here, if, if, if between offensive lineman and receiver, yes, I am drafting offensive line because those that's where your 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 team is built. I I will steadfast be of that rule. You build your offense and a defensive line, you're going to have a solid football fo- football team. So I think you go offensive line, defensive line. Now specifically, I, Neil and I differ a little bit. I I, I think interior you can kind of mix and match with some of the guys we have currently on the roster. But I I think my my need, my specific need, whether it's it's in the draft or it's in the veteran free agents, is a starting left tackle. I don't think you have anyone on this roster currently that's going to be able to start for you 17 games at left tackle. So I think you need to address that position, whether it's early on in free agency 
or it's here in the draft. But that's specifically what I'm looking at. Yeah, offensive line all the way. Pick number one has to be a lineman. That's the most dire need position that we have. Um, I, I think the wide receiver position is deep enough to where you can find a guy, you know, day two, if you want to go that route, I think you go with either a safety or linebacker day two uh, with that, that, that uh, third round pick. But, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, regardless, you got to take uh, with pick number 38, you got to go offensive line. Excellent. All right. Let's uh, get this one out of the way from uh, Tony. The pod boss wants to mo- know the most pressing pick for the Bears if they have to just pick one. And what he means by that is a position player. So are are you – do you think – well, you just answered that, Danny. You said the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll ask you, Neil, if you got one, you know, the very first pick you got, what, if, do you have one position group that you think is the absolute most pressing? You know, if, if one of these six, seven, eight offensive tackles that could probably come in and start day one in this draft fall to us, yeah, you got to take that guy immediately. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any question about that. Very good. Uh, Don Burr, our resident Detroit Lions fan, wants to know about Eric Ikumna, the wide receiver from Texas Tech. Uh, have any of you had a chance to look at his tape? And if so, what do you think? I haven't. Not. Not, okay. yet. not yet. Uh, I know Don will be here for the show when you guys are covering them, covering them. So uh, covering that particular player, uh, Foster says. Although my other question is, take uh, uh, your take on uh, Gene Dixon, the wide receiver. Dejon Dixon, the kid from Nichols. Yes. Let me see. What, what did I write about him? I haven't gotten you know knee deep into uh, you know a lot of these receivers, but uh, Dejon Dixon. Um, I had down, you know, my big thing about this receiver class, guys, is, you know, for you know a couple of years now, we've had nothing but super midgets in that room. I know we have Allen Robinson, but uh, outside of Allen Robinson, we've had nothing but guys that are, you know, sub 5'11", but run fast. So mm-hmm. my, my thing was, if we take a receiver, he's got to be big. He's got to, you know, win one-on-one battles, be a red zone presence, and, you know, have some speed. So, you know, Dijon Dixon is a kid that, uh, you know, ended up at FCS because he – he has some issue uh, that kind of messed up his recruitment, you know, at the high school level. But uh, he ended up in Nickel State. He's a big kid. Um, definitely fits the bill for a, a guy with size, with athletic ability. That's going to test well. Uh, had tons of stats that uh, this past year. Um, I'm going to take a deeper dive into the guy, but he's definitely intriguing. He's on my list of of guys to consider in terms of a guy that's big, fast, strong, physical, and can go up and get a ball. Very good. Um... Tony, the pod boss, do you think that Darian Kennard could slide to number 39 for the Chicago Bayaz? I, I do. I think he'll be there. I, I just don't know if I'd take him at 39. Again, I, I, for me, he's a right tackle. Uh, I'm, I'm specifically using that 39th pick for a guy that I know can come in and play left tackle for me. And I don't think Darian Kennard can be a left tackle in the, in the NFL uh, starting left tackle. I've only gone to a couple of games, seen only a couple of games. I'll, I'll do a deeper dive on him. Uh, but I definitely think he's, he's a starting right tackle in the NFL. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm, for me at least, I'm not looking at right tackles right now. I'm just looking specifically at left tackle at this current moment. Now, if something changes once the new regime comes in and, and they, they cut players or they trace certain players and that becomes a need, things change. But as of right now, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's left tackle for me. Very good. Um, Matthew wants to know about the Penn State University safety, Joaquin Brisker. I saw your eyes light up. So go ahead and take that one. I'll take a okay. or should I go? Yeah, Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker. I mean, it, there, there are three safeties in this class that really make me go wow. And it's Kyle Hamilton, Jaquan Brisker, and Dax Hill. You know, it, it, big, explosive guys, you know, playmakers, tacklers, hitters. They, they, man, they, they, they check all the boxes. 
Daquan Brisker, love the kid. Probably won't be around for us, so. though. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I don't think he was going to be there. He might go a late first round, for sure top of second round, so I don't think he'll be there by the time the Bears look at Very good. Uh, another question from Tony is, what do you think of Troy Anderson from Montana State? He kind of reminds Tony of a faster Brian Urlacher. I haven't seen this guy play, so if he's a faster Urlacher, I definitely want to take a look at him. If you guys yeah, have, he's, he's a guy on my list to, to watch because obviously I'm, I'm digging. I've, I've been digging into offensive linemen. Now I'm going to flip over to defense a little bit more. Linebackers now, cornerbacks, but uh, yeah, Troy Anderson is a guy I'm going to I'm, I'm going to dig in. I've heard a lot of good things about him as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. How about uh, Mo Beerman wanted to know about uh, those games on Saturday. <laughs> Did you guys have a bet or something, Danny? <laughs> how about that game, Saturday? How about any that gems? game Saturday, Danny? Any any gems? Oh, about the. I'm not sure what he. Did he have a softball game or something? Web gems? <laughs> Is that what he's talking about? Web gems? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Is he talking about the uh, collegiate, the no. NFL PA game? I I I miss must have misread the question. I would have skipped that because. <laughs> It looks pretty bizarre. But, Mo, if you want to uh, clarify that, let us know. Um, J-Rock wanted to know about free agent linebacker Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. So what do you think about those guys perhaps coming in and uh, playing under this 4-3 defense we're anticipating? There are possibilities, but for me, you know, um, Jalen Smith, I, I think I, I think we all know that that he was not the, he's not the player that he was prior to the injury at Notre Dame, unfortunately. I think if, if he was, you know, fully healthy, I think he'd be a guy – Possibly a candidate for the inside middle linebacker position. Vander Esch, I think, also a guy that, that that's dealt with a lot of injuries, but when he's been on the on the field, he's been productive. Um, I'm not sure if I if I see him as more of an inside linebacker, maybe a strong side linebacker. So that could be someone that they can kind of bring in. But you know, he has some history with them in terms of the, the coaching staff. So uh, maybe more of an offside line, strong side linebacker, but not a guy that I'd see as as an inside linebacker. I just don't think he's that athletic. And again, the injury concern with him is something that you have to think about as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jalen Smith, when he had that injury in in uh, 2016, Everflus was the one in 2017 that really made the most out of you know what that kid had. And like I said before at the beginning of the show, Jalen Smith kind of credits who he became as a player to you know Matt Everflus' ability to develop players. And so if Everflus feels like you know he wants to you know have a charity case and uh, have a resurrection, you know bring Lazarus back to life, yeah, I, I can see that happening. But you know. Um, that'll be interesting. I mean, Jalen, Jalen Smith under when, when, uh, Everflus had him in his position, uh, meeting room, he, he was a hell of a player. I just don't know if, you know, we can get him back to 2017 Jalen Smith or not. Last question. Give rock Davis one wide receiver, one wide receiver name that you think might could fall to the top, top of the, to the bears pick in the second round. And that you would say, man, you gotta pick this guy up. Yeah, and I thought in my head I, I got three guys that that and I, I can't give you one because I, I I love these receivers. So George Pickens, the kid from Georgia, uh, a big body guy. I have some some off the field stuff you have to could be kind of dig into, but uh, a guy that came off an uh, ACL injury this year came back and played for the you know for the the playoffs. Um, a guy that I'm kind of an Allen Robinson mold, you know, you know, a uh, guy can go up there and make some plays on those contested catches. So George Pickens from Georgia is one of them. Um, I think one of the Ohio State guys is going to fall, guys, and I think it's going to be Chris Olave. Uh, and I think he's a guy that's going to run, and the comment is going to run a four four. 
high four four forty. And I think you bring him in with 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 Justin Fields. You got you got that connection already there. Um, so I think Chris Olave is a guy to keep an eye on if, if he falls out of the first round in that second round. And and the other guy I was I was thinking of is uh, John Dotson. John Dotson, if he doesn't go in the bottom of the first round, could be a top of the second round kind of guy. And again, we should talk about him. Penn State kid, uh, 180 some pounds, uh, speed galore, guy, big play potential. And that's what you need on his offense, big play potential. You got a name going, for him? Going with my prototypes, big, strong, athletic, and fast. Um, you know, definitely uh, George Pickens was one that I had on my list too, Danny. I also had uh, Drake London from USC. Uh, you know, thousand yard receiver after eight games before a season ending ankle ankle fracture. Talking about a red zone and a yak guy. You know, how far is he going to drop? Could he be there around two, round three for us? Uh, he's a guy that was projected around one guy before. I, yeah, the, I, think uh, I think he's. I think he's still going the first round. Like that guy's that damn good. Drake. Yeah. Drake uh, you know, David Bell's a guy that I think you know could be there around two, round three. Mm-hmm. You know, polished, fundamentally sound from Purdue. Uh, two thousand plus yard you know, receiving years with a six hundred yard year in twenty twenty. Probably would have had three thousand yard receiving years if you know the, the twenty twenty madness didn't happen. Uh, like him a lot. The uh, the other the other kid. I mean, if if Jalen Torberg really you know tears up this this senior bowl and tears mm-hmm. up the combine, he he'll be a day two guy, guys. Yeah, and you're, he, he's a guy that's that's you know six four pushing two hundred. That uh, we we know he's going to run fast if if he performs well during these 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 events. You'll look for him to be you know prime pickings at at a you know area where we could potentially you know grab a guy on day two. And yeah, what, uh, go ahead, finish go ahead. your list. No, go finish your guys. Uh, I was looking, but uh, no, that's good. That, that, those are those are the guys that really I have. With, with Bell, if if he, and I don't I don't know on tape he doesn't look like he's a four four guy. He looks like it might be like a high four, maybe a high you know low four five guy, mid four five guy. If he runs that, I think that's going to be disappointing. I, I think they're gonna that's going to drop him a little bit. But he, he's a guy that might be available with that third round pick, you yeah. know, or or if you trade down exactly. Second, what I was thinking. You know, yeah, so I, I think that that's a guy if, if you can double dip there and go get. You know, the lineman or, or the safety or the linebacker that drops out of the you know the first round, and then get that receiver like a David Bell. I think that would be a hell of a you know one-two combination there within the second and third round. Hey, let's think about this for a second, guys. Jamison Williams. You know, he has that He's ACL. Going first round. He's going first round. Yeah, but he had the ACL. You know, it could scare some guys away. I'm just saying, he could slip a little. He could slip. He's gonna slip. Yeah, unfortunately, I, th- I think he would have been the top ten, top fifteen for sure pick. Oh, but absolutely. now I, th- I think he's going twenties in the twenties. Yeah, I, I think condition. a lot of guys are going to want to look at that medical evaluation, see how that thing, you know, ruptured, how the surgery went, you know, what what's the chances of of a, of a full one hundred percent recovery? You know, so he has all that speed, that explosiveness, that big plan, big time playmaking ability back. There's just a lot of questions there to me that need to get answered. You know, granted, you know, they could easily he could be just that that much of a freak athlete where he heals back to you know the Jameson Williams he was before the injury. But I think it's just it's worth tossing around. Well, what's funny is he came from Ohio State, and imagine him. With Olave. Smith uh, and, and Jagba and Garrett Wilson and yeah. Chris Olave, damn, that's that's a one hell of a, a four receivers there on, on on one one team there. But he he transferred. Was kind of like last year at Bama. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, th- these were Ohio State receivers, but yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, you know, the collection of receivers, the collection yeah. of talent there. What a fantastic way to start this season! Outstanding episode, and what great timing, right? We get to we get together for our season debut on the day that the Chicago Bears hire their head coach. Now the two big positions are in are in hand. Now we got to get a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and coaching staff. That will probably all be completed or very close to being completed by the next time we come on, which will be Thursday, February third. We're taking next week off. Why? Because we got to watch. 
the Shrine Bowl game. And these guys are going to take notes, and they're going to be prepared on that show on February 3rd to talk about those All-Star games. So we'll have a special guest. We're going to have a very robust discussion about what's happened on all those All-Star games. And Danny's interrupting me because I probably screwed something up. <laughs> Next Thursday is February 3rd. Uh, so we're back to 10th, February 10th. <laughs> Thank you. I was really confused. my calendar. I screwed it up. But by the way, I got to show you this. Um, so a lot of people have been negative about the Chicago Bears, and I don't blame them. Uh, wrong shot. <laughs> uh, I don't blame them. You know, the Chicago Bears have just make so many mistakes, not only with who they've hired, but also with their calendars. This is the 2022 Chicago Bears calendar. Look who, who they have for January, the player for the cover. It's A-Rob, the player who won't be playing for the Bears in January, February, March, or any month this year. Then look who they have in February. Hey, it's Charles Leto. What are we doing? Yeah, so th that that was I think that was more egregious than 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 uh, Robinson because oh, a, at least A Rob's still technically part of the team in January. Yep. Now March he won't be part of the team, but so that that would be different. But that Leno has been what gone for doing? a year. Yep, and it gets arguably worse. Oh, Anthony God. Miller in March. Wow, <laughs> Jesus, and then. The, to the the piesta resistance is number nine. Good old, that's, that's not Jim McMahon. That's Nick Foles for April. <laughs> wow, that's just a measure um, of futility right there. That's, that's, that, that, that's uh, George got a got a deal on printing his, these calendars <laughs> early. Got a deal, so he just took advantage of it, and now he's just giving them out, even though these players aren't on the roster anymore. Unbelievable. But that is <laughs> our show. Any final words, quickly, guys? Because I know we've got a hard out at ten o'clock, or somebody gets uh, get kicked out. Of <laughs> no, I'm just excited for another season of, of Draft on Tap. Uh, you know, we, we got a different format. We didn't get into it tonight, but we got a different format here for you guys. You know, uh, we'll probably get into our next show here, although we'll kind of explain to you what we're doing this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just just love it. Uh, you know, we just kind of tip of the iceberg here tonight with, with, with some of these names here. We're going to do deeper dives in, and we're going to have a, a fun format, and we're going we're gonna to keep you guys entertained. And, and hopefully, like I said, our goal last year was to uh, – when the, when the draft picks were made, you guys would say, "Oh, I, I know these guys. I know. I remember you know Neil and Danny were talking about them. So I remember these guys. So that's the goal again this year is to make sure keep you guys informed and and take take your you know your 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 questions and just you know the guys you want us to to scout. If we don't go over them in our particular lists or our particular groups, just give us those names either on Twitter or reach out to us here in in, in the chat, and we'll just you know we'll come back the following week with with a scouting report on those players. So I'm just excited and ready to go, man. This 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 is this is go season right now. There you go. Yeah, Danny hit exactly what I wanted to cover, man. Like we love the aud the audience participation. Um, you know, hit us up. You know, the week before the show, give us your names, ask us uh, your specific questions. Uh, let let us know who you want us to cover. If there's anybody specific, because we we'll go in and dive into anybody. Um, you know, if there's you know like the uh, the Troy Anderson kid from Montana State, I would love to see what that kid's all about. I wish I you know was able to you know get a peek at it before the show, but uh, that's the type of stuff that we love. So keep that stuff coming. Ask us questions. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us, uh, you know, on uh, you know Facebook, you know the show on Facebook and everything else. Uh, hit the like button wherever you can. Let's let's have an awesome year, man. I'm excited to come back in a couple of weeks and uh, talk to you guys about uh, about these All Star games. You guys are the absolute best. We all we all appreciate how hard you guys work in preparation for the shows. You know, some of the other shows, people just show up and just share their opinions. You guys have to watch tape over and over and over again in order to share informed opinions. Uh, so not I'm not getting anybody. I just wanted to point out how hard you guys work to prepare for each show, and, and it's greatly appreciated. 
All right, everybody, uh, we've got uh, more football talk tomorrow. Greg Gabriel is uh, going to do his Gabriel Talks football show tomorrow to give his thoughts on the new hires over at Hallis Hall. And we're also scheduled to have a very special guest, his buddy and mine, and everybody in the bar room loves J.J. Stankovitz. He's going to join Greg and me, and we're going to have a great talk at about noon tomorrow. So that is it. Uh, we've got a great collection of programmings on the on-demand YouTube. And so if you like hockey or any of the other sports, check out what's going on there. Goodbye, everybody.